Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm Steampunk Link. And I'm Emmy Zero. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2021, and we are in the midst of our video game movie month. Uh, essentially, what we've been doing from week to week is uh, reviewing movies that are based on pre-established video game properties. Uh, last week, we covered Street Fighter the movie, and uh, this week, we're going to be covering Super Mario Brothers <laughs> from 1993, which, uh, as far as I understand, is the first video game adaptation. Um but in joining us here, you probably notice we have two unfamiliar voices on the audio track here. Uh, we have Steampunk Link and Emmy Zero uh, from the Snescapades podcast. Uh, how you how you all doing? <laughs> uh, we're, we're doing good, I think. We're doing great. And uh, we, we are really excited to be here to talk about this thing. Uh, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure it knows, but yeah. Um, yeah, no. And uh, yeah, this is... Uh, We've we've talked about a few video game movies on our show uh, before. Uh, it's not really the main thing we do, but we have we have done it on occasion. And uh, yeah, this is one we we have wanted to get to for a while. Yeah, I think uh, you know the the two we've done in the past have been Street Fighter and Double Dragon. Uh, Double Dragon was very very bad. Street Fighter I actually love, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Emmy agrees with me on that. She, she oh yes, that well. definitely. definitely. So yes, this one is somewhere in the middle, uh, but uh, it sure is a weird story behind it, and uh, I think that's going to be probably more interesting to talk about than the movie itself. But uh, yeah, but in any case, uh, in, uh, just in case anybody is not familiar with our show. We are a show that is chronologically ranking every single Super Nintendo game that came out in North America, one to three-ish games at a time, and uh, we're somewhere in 1993 right now. Uh, we just we just recorded a Star Fox episode, so that was fun. Is that a uh, spotlight episode? It it, it mm-hmm. yeah. It, it, we figured that one was a big enough deal, and we had enough to say about it that we gave it its own episode. So look forward to that. Uh, that's probably out actually by the time this goes up, but. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun, and um, yeah, I don't know. Star Fox, that game is that game is good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, frame rate issues and all. Yeah. 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 True. True. Yeah. Also, on our show, we go into a little bit of leftist politics. Not much, but uh, apparently, I need to warn people about that now. Uh, so, Super Mario Brothers, 1993, directed by Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel, uh, at the time of production these two were married uh they're both from england as far as i understand uh it was a light motive production um also produced by hollywood pictures um, but of course nintendo i don't believe they fronted the bill but they certainly were involved in the production to some capacity yeah uh they, they, I've, I've actually got a little bit of background on that so yeah a lot of folks had been approaching nintendo about wanting to do a super mario brothers movie and light motive uh despite being a small studio, ended up getting it because they offered Nintendo uh, a little bit more creative control than some of the other studios did. They also said uh, they were going to go for a dark tone, which for some reason uh, Nintendo wanted. So uh, that is another reason why we got this movie. Well, I think the the unspoken thing is uh, merchandising. Yes. Space balls yeah. to flametrower is not to be uh, overlooked. Um, merchandising is is where a lot of money is made, and I'm sure that 
uh, some rights were signed over and Nintendo got the lion's share of that. Yes, they did. Um, but this this was a fascinating project because in 1993, uh, Nintendo their their brand their it was you know it was a global phenomenon. They kind of owned the video game landscape at least you know in most regions. I mean, Sega was definitely in direct competition with them by then. Sega. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I kind of miss those days actually. The the bit wars of the. I'm a Sega kid. Well, I'm a Nintendo kid. We don't we don't fraternize with you. That was that was kind of fun. Um, I kind of miss that. Now it's like you know, if you have a PC, you're pretty okay. You get everybody's toys. Um, right. But um, but by the time we get to 1993, as far as I understand, this was in a time period when Hollywood was actively like courting Nintendo and and other game studios because video games had become such a mainstream sensation by then. Um, but the timing, unfortunately, like Walt was probably right in a business sense and from some angles, uh, the release date of this movie was not a great idea <laughs> because you have a you know a kind of dinosaur themed yeah. story and then you have the dinosaur movie. I was going to say the other <laughs> the other dinosaur movie that came out at almost exactly the same time. Uh, it was kind of bad luck for this one. Oh, uh, which dinosaur movie uh, yeah. was that? Uh, Carnosaur, of course. Oh, oh okay, all right. <laughs> you mean the dinosaurs TV We're show? Back, a dinosaur story or prehistoria? <laughs> Theodore Rex. It was Theodore Rex. <laughs> Theodore uh, Rex, of course. That was the biggest one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got. You guys are joking. It was Jurassic Park, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are <laughs> 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 being serious right now? Because I can't even pick up on your sarcasm. <laughs> I wanted to keep the bit going, actually, but you you seemed worried, so I, I figured I would drop it. I was like, did Carnosaur come out the same year as Jurassic Park? I'm like, geez, that was a it did, actually. It did. Oh my god. It goodness. came out before, actually. Oh no um, kidding. Roger Corman, man. You don't you don't fuck with Roger Corman in the business world. That That's that right. man will out hustle you. <laughs> like, that man has hustled for days, even today. <laughs> but um Kyle, uh, we haven't done this in a while, and I'm sorry, this is normally your duty, but um you wanna try to give it try. Ooh. Active word, try, to give us a plot rundown for Super Mario Bros. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to pass it off to one of the guests because I don't <laughs> think I can do the plot for this movie. Well, <laughs> luckily, a lot of the plot for this movie is is uh, backfilled through ADR and also through a very short sequence at the beginning of the movie that I think was added because audiences were confused about what on earth was going on. But we get the voice of Homer Simpson doing a great Brooklyn accent telling us that dinosaurs used to roam the oith and nobody really bothered them because there weren't any people yet. And then the, the meteor happens, but, oh, hey, what if the meteor actually sent the dinosaurs back to another dimension and they evolved into people and all this other crazy bullshit that makes our movie work? <laughs> Can I just say that what if at the beginning of the movie is the most buck wild thing? Like, it's like, like, I don't know. What if the meteor created an alternate dimension and the dinosaurs were sent to it and evolved separately? I guess, you know? I think we all should have written out what our theory of what the plot was supposed to be was and just see who had the best one. But I'm going to say... Uh, a plumber and his brother slip through some kind of weird portal where Earth is kind of still Earth, but it's also kind of total recall. And Dennis <laughs> Hopper is a is a dinosaur trying to get a rock. That's basically what I got from the film. Yes. And then da and then Daisy does something. I don't. I, I honestly. I, I don't know <laughs> yeah, what Daisy's I, doing. 
other than being the princess of the old king, I don't actually understand what her importance is because it's not like she has to be or or does she? Does she have to be the one to yeah, reunite them? She's she's magic and okay. she has to be the one to reunite them because Lena tries to do it. Uh, Mrs. Dursley tries to do it oh, right. and she gets turned into a skeleton. <laughs> right. Thank so you. yeah. Thank yeah. you for the Dursley. That was yeah. That, I picked up on that too. I'm like, wait a minute. That's Harry's aunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I see. I I know how you feel now, Kyle, because I'm I'm the one Harry Potter like non fan uh, <laughs> in the room. I guess well, no, I, I, I know guess, nothing I, about Harry Potter. So okay, uh, I can like me and you and me, Link. Right. <laughs> like we we solidarity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think the fun part about trying to summarize the plot of this movie is that there's little caveats for like every point you yes. make, Kyle. Where it's like, so two plumbers, their brothers. But they're not really brothers because, like, they're not really blood related. The one guy's an orphan, and he treats the other person as like non blood relations. And it's like, Wait, they're not even so I'm, I'm completely missed that. See, I there. It's ambiguous. It's ambiguous because it it could be either that Luigi's adopted, or just that he's so much younger than Mario that he never knew their parents. It's yeah, not yeah. actually. I always remembered it as Luigi being adopted because of the thing he says in the scene where they're all out at dinner. Right. But yeah. watching it again, it actually struck me more as that maybe he just doesn't didn't know his parents. Because uh, they died when he was, like, really young, and Mario ended up raising him because he was, you know, uh, old enough to be his guardian or something. So, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I guess that makes sense why he would uh, he would have a connection with Daisy, because I guess that she was abandoned. Uh, See, that, that's where I, I had a leap in logic, where he kind of perked up when she mentioned that she yeah. was abandoned right, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's yeah. kind of like their shared... Um, their shared character quirk, I guess you could say, that they bond over. Because up until that point, I was not buying any sort of chemistry between Luigi and Daisy. And, like, for the entirety of the Brooklyn part of the movie at the beginning, Luigi is functionally a moron child. Like, yes, like cannot even tie his shoes, I would guess. Like, just oh. almost incapable of, of anything is, is the impression that I get from this character. Yeah, I I was actually kind of shocked when they allowed him to drive. <laughs> I was like, Mario, what are you doing? And then he's just like, oh, hey, I've got a feeling about this alleyway. And, like, the thing is that, like, Luigi is always wrong. And they do, like, these little subtle things throughout the movie in which Luigi says, hey, let's do this. And then he almost always ends up being wrong. Like, there's a, a scene where they're in a hallway and he said, you know, he says, let's take this door. Mario says, no, let's take this door. The door Luigi tries to go through ends up having a cop run through it. And then he has to follow Mario. Like... It, it always seems like they're setting us up for, like, Luigi has these beliefs about things, but he's always wrong. And yet, the resolution to this movie seems to be like, oh, no, Mario needed to be the one to start believing in all this shit. And it's like, well, no, Luigi was mostly wrong. Like, Mario believes this now because he has firsthand knowledge. Like, I, I wish Mario, you know, like, at the very end of the movie, spoilers, where Luigi says, oh, hey, Mario, you saying you believe now? If Mario said, well... Yes, I believe because we have firsthand knowledge of all the crazy shit that just happened, but uh, extraordinary claims still require extraordinary evidence. Uh, not to Luigi. <laughs> Lu Lu Luigi's got a whole closet full of tinfoil hats. <laughs> yeah, Lu Lu Luigi's yeah. Uh, dissecting Democratic emails about pizza restaurants and is just asking questions, you guys. 
Uh, God, conspiracy theories used to be so much more fun before they were like a major part of our uh, of of our political life and landscape yeah. in America. Um, so are we? Uh, we should probably continue on with trying to do uh, a, you know, summary. I guess. <laughs> I like how we, we it's taken two two swings now. We're, go- we're gonna try for a third. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. Movie starts. We have the dinosaur you know catastrophe scene uh then we have kind of another catastrophe where a a woman a hooded woman uh drops a weird uh uh like containment pod off at a uh a convent i guess uh in the dead of night in the rain uh with a mysterious uh mysterious little bit of of rock uh, on a necklace and is then uh, accosted by Dennis Hopper with extremely rigid hair. Uh, and uh, there is a cave-in. She dies. The Back at the, the convent, the uh, containment pod opens up. There's an egg inside. The egg hatches. There's a baby inside the egg. And we never get to find out what's inside the baby because that's when they cut away. Uh, Wait, I, I just want to mention, like, I feel like a, a, a monastery is the worst place to leave... A mysterious child hatching from an egg. They almost certainly think it's evil and burn it, right? Like that's yeah, that that thing would be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a former Catholic, no, insta- I feel in- like I, I I have some authority on this. <laughs> Instead, the nuns are just like, ah, geez, what's going on here? Um, anyway, then we cut to uh, the present day because that was, I guess, uh, was that supposed to be like twenty years ago? It was nineteen seventy-one. So yeah, yeah, about twenty years. Yeah. Uh, where uh, the Mario brothers, Mario and Luigi, uh, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, as we later <laughs> find out, are uh, plumbers. They're somehow down on their luck despite being plumbers in New York City. <laughs> I cannot imagine competent plumbers in New York City being as broke as, as these two guys are. Um, anyway, they get a job. They rush out to to do it. There is a, a fun sort of uh, uh, you know, lively comedy sequence where they are uh, driving to the, the place where they're supposed to be working and, and bickering with each other. Uh, also at the same time there is a, a paleontological dig going on in the middle of Brooklyn, where a land developer has <laughs> a- somehow uncovered uh, really, really cool, interesting dinosaur bones, uh, and uh, is is sort of in like a uh, a conflict with this this uh, university team that wants to excavate those before he continues uh, before he continues dig it before he continues building there. Uh, leading that uh, expedition is Daisy. Uh, we find out in pretty short order that she was the baby that was dropped off at the convent or whatever it was uh, in in the the prologue. Um, anyway, um, yeah, uh, some some stuff happens. Uh, everyone ends up getting taken to the alternate world we talk about in the prologue. Dino Hatton. The Dino Hatton. Uh, <laughs> there's some. More mishaps, de-evolution gun, <laughs> uh, the, uh, yeah, um, Dennis Hopper's still there. He's got a lot of henchmen. Most of them are pretty annoying. Eventually, Mario and Luigi end up in costumes that look kind of like the costumes from the game. Just and, put them in overalls. Uh, what? Why was it so hard to just put them in overalls? 
<laughs> I kind of wish Mario had stayed in the yellow suit, honestly. Mm. Like that, that was a good look for him. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a strange movie that does not particularly seem to know what it's doing at any point. But I think it's a little bit more clear eyed during the Brooklyn section at the beginning than it ever is again. Yeah, um, I actually agree uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I yeah. kind of wish more of this movie took place in you know ordinary Brooklyn, New York. Um, mm-hmm. it, just even the even like the the style of editing and the shot choices felt more coordinated and just more straightforward. Because especially by the time you get to the finale of this one, it kind of like has yeah. no clue what time what what it's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this movie severely falls apart right around the time they get to Koopa Tower. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. it never ever recovers from the like change in pacing and sort of like the way it's trying to construct its plot at that point. Oh yeah, um, it drags yeah. some serious ass once they get yeah. to that. Uh, that which dumpster. is incredible. <laughs> which is incredible because you would think that would be when the movie picks up, but it is super not. I had a question real quick. So Mortal Kombat came out. Now, did when Mortal Kombat came out, did they have their own backstory in the little in the little? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Did Mario have anything like that? Not really. It was all very... So, I mean, the thing with Mario is that it, the character has been used in a lot of different Nintendo properties up to this point, and the original idea for Mario was just that he's the, the blue-collar everyman who we can put in anything. In Donkey Kong, he's a carpenter. In, um, in Wrecking Crew, he's a demolitions expert. He's a referee in Punch-Out, you know, that sort of thing. Um Mario Brothers establishes that he and his brother Luigi are plumbers, and I think that just stuck after that. And then the story in Super Mario Brothers is just, like, they have to save the princess from Bowser, King Koopa, who has turned all the mushroom people into bricks and horsehair plants and things like this. So it's all real basic stuff. There's there's not, you know, a, a lot of lore there yeah i think i think that thing about like all the citizens of the mushroom kingdom having been turned into the background objects is probably the only thing like specific that they managed to take from uh from from that game into into this movie because uh, that's presumably that's the canonical reason for why all of the like bushes and flat and, and clouds and stuff in the original Super Mario Brothers have faces on them. But uh, yeah, that's I, I don't know. Um, it's uh, there's not really much to work with, which I, I think kind of begs the question of, of aside from popularity, why anybody thought it was a good idea to try to make a movie out of Super Mario Brothers. Well, not to completely derail us, but this is something that I I like to tackle on these video game movie month episodes, and that mm. is like the the details of the actual game franchise that the movie yeah. is spawned from. So, yeah. of course, this is, comes from the Mario franchise, which had its own self-titled game in '83. Uh, I was just Mario Brothers with minus the super, um, which is kind of funny when you think about it, because it's like Street Fighter Two is what most people think of as the Street Fighter game, when in actuality it has a 2 on it. It is the second right. entry in the series, and similar to that, Super Mario Brothers is the one that most folks, especially non-gamers and whatnot, think of when they think of like the prototypical Super Mario game. Um, and yeah, that would be the sequel to the original Mario Brothers, and that would come out in 1985. Um, I think it was the, the first game uh, we got over here in stateside mm-hmm. um, on the Nintendo, but for the Famicom, it was 
I think two years after mm-hmm. that console had already been out in Japan, so it was a little bit late comer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as adapting uh, a game to live action, uh, Mario is one of those things that's like, w- uh, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, this seems so much better suited for animation. Yeah. Um, but one thing I, I like, I said I like to get into when we do these video game movies is uh, our our personal history with the game franchise because. Um, this is one of the most long-lived game franchise going today, uh, so I figured we should all share a little something about how, like, what what is Mario to you? So I figure, Kyle, uh, you want to start us off? Yeah, I can start us off. Um, Mario, <laughs> uh, we didn't have a lot of, we, we weren't big video gamers growing up. We we had the Super Nintendo, we had Donkey Kong, we had Mario. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording that we, my sixth grade summer, going into seventh grade, my brother and I spent the entire summer playing Super Mario Brothers. Uh, but I haven't really kept up. I never, I never got into Super Smash Brothers. Like it was, it was a little too difficult for me. The kids that I would play with would just decimate me. Like I, I was just awful at it. But uh, Mario Kart is something I've been playing. I've had it for Super Nintendo. I actually, still have it for Super Nintendo. Uh, GameCube, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and actually, while I was home visiting my uh, girlfriend, we played uh, Super Mario for the Wii every day, basically. Uh, best two or three, sometimes three or five. But uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I still like Mario to this day, and I can't wait till I can get a Switch and play even more Mario <laughs> one of these days. You can play a lot of Mario on that Switch right now, too. That's what I hear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, do they have like pretty much the whole back catalog available for like download? Uh, they've got the um, Super Mario. A lot of yeah, it, they've yeah. got the Super Mario All Stars from uh, the Super Nintendo, which was remakes of one through three, uh, available on the Super Nintendo um, streaming service that they do. So. I figure that's yeah, yeah. and um, yeah I mean and, and at this point you know there's really I think only a couple of of like Mario games even including like the 3d ones that are completely unavailable on the, on the switch um, you know so yeah they're they're all on there and um, yeah most of them are pretty good versions of it too so yeah is Donkey Kong Country on there? Yeah. Did they? Yes, Donkey Kong Country is in fact all three original Donkey Kong Country oh. games are on there. I'm so, stuck. Yeah. I'm stuck right now on Diddy and Dixie. I'm having a tough time in one. One. It's spot. a tough game. That's, it's there's, tough. Yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, uh, I I never personally got through all of uh, Clubo's kiosk, so um, <laughs> I'll just I'll just admit that right up front. <laughs> um, but for me, um, my history with Mario goes back to super mario brothers uh, we had a nintendo in the house the, the 8-bit nintendo and uh, me and my brother certainly played it um oddly enough uh in the early goings uh, the basically like half mario game like slightly canon but not quite canon with uh, mario 2 uh, mm-hmm. was actually my favorite when i was a little kid um i liked the you know grabbing and throwing mechanic that was that was that was my jam. Uh, Mario three was, of course, the the big smash hit. That, of course, they made a whole movie to fucking promote it. Right. Wizard. Right. Um, so, of course, I got hyped for that because you know I watched the movie and I certainly wanted to a go to California <laughs> and b <laughs> play Mario three in front of a studio audience as a child. Um, didn't get to do either of those things, but um, yeah, Mario three for some reason it just didn't grab me as much as two. Um, and Super Mario World on the Super Nintendo, um, when when my brother and I got a Super Nintendo, that was certainly a big hit in the household. I think, ultimately, though, it resonated more strongly with my brother than myself. Uh, maybe because I was 
uh, kind of like enraptured with just like watching him play through mm-hmm. the game because he was really obsessive about like 100%ing that yeah. game. And to this day, he's kind of compulsive in that way. He likes to platinum games today. Um, me, not so much. I, I have that compulsion, but I, I don't have the... I'm not resolute enough to actually follow through yeah. with it. But uh, in more recent years, um, kind of like Kyle, I guess, I, I kind of stopped playing the, the proper like mainline Mario games and more just stuck to the tangential ones like like uh, Super Mario Kart and things of that nature. Mario, Mario Kart 64 is, you know, I have so many amazing memories of playing that game. In fact, there was a bubble tea place up the street that my friend and I used to go to, and the owner, like... It was like a little eight-year-old kid. The owner's son would like come out from behind the curtain, and he'd just like play with the patrons there because they <laughs> they had a sixty-four set up in like the waiting area, and I'd, you'd just nice. be like sitting there playing, and then this little Korean kid would walk out and just start beasting on you. <laughs> I was just saying, like, he stomp the... your ass. <laughs> oh yeah, he he. You know the thing was there. He lived there all day long, so of course he was very very good at it. But it was just funny because you'd be playing, and this little kid would just sidle up to you, and you wouldn't even know who he was and you just start whipping your ass <laughs> pick up your sticks dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah these days uh, aside from like the occasional smash brothers or mario kart game uh, mario doesn't have as as strong of a place in my in my gaming world right now mm-hmm. um but of course he's 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 the big man he's the guy that kind of got everybody obsessed with with games over here anyway and uh it seems like he's never gonna run out of steam because the the thing that was always told to me was that um, the major difference between like a, a Mario and a Sonic, as far as mascot characters, is that Sonic is eternally trying to be cool. Yes. Whereas Mario is always trying to be fun, and fun yeah. never falls out of fashion. <laughs> yeah, you know the the creation of Mario is something that I just find fascinating because, yeah, characters like Sonic have always just reeked to me of a bunch of middle aged white dudes in a room saying, "What would the kids find really cool in a character?" Where Mario's design is is just uh, completely out of necessity. Um, he's got a big nose and a mustache because that was you know they only had so many pixels to mess with, and now it's like hey we can have a, a face defined in this very small set of pixels. Um, his arms are different colors, so they put him in overalls so that they wouldn't have to draw outlines on his arm because that's you know more pixels that you got to use to give definition to his arms. Uh, he's got a hat, so they didn't have to animate hair. Every design decision about Mario was just made out of necessity and out of just, um, you know, economy of the sprites from the original Donkey Kong game. And that design is pretty much unchanged. I mean, obviously, it's it's updated to, you know, the, the 3D Mario that we have now. But, um, you know, it all comes from that original design. And, and it's kind of timeless for that, I think, because it, it wasn't just made because, oh, hey, kids are going to find this guy in overall school. It's like, but it doesn't matter because they'll, they'll right. love him anyway. Um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for my history with Mario, um, like, I think that, so, uh, the Nintendo, the the NES was not the first game system we had. I think my dad had, like, an Atari, and, uh, I have very, very, you know, sort of vague memories of playing, like, Pac-Man with him on it, but, um, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I asked for uh you know a nintendo and my parents got it for me it came with the pack-in game that had mario and a couple other games on it and uh i loved it it was like the first game that i really like connected to and um yeah i've played pretty much 
I think pretty much all of them since then, uh, except for the weird edutainment games and a couple of the Game Boy games. And uh, yeah, still a big fan today. So no Mario P cross for you, Emmy. Uh, you know, mm. I that I I, ha- I have thought about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't. That's not one that I've I've decided not to play just because I don't want to play it. I just it, it's it's just like one of many things where it's like I could play that one day, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, I, I def- definitely never played like the, um, uh, so I did play Mario is Missing, the, the weird <laughs> edutainment game. I didn't play Mario's Time Machine, the other edutainment game that very few people well, We will eventually. Uh, which, <laughs> yeah, we will, won't we? <laughs> but yeah, um, I think it's interesting, it's kind of interesting to note too, that like the, the concept of, so like if you look at Mario, like the Bob Hoskins character in this movie, it's really, really off from like what we, what we think of as like Mario today, but it wasn't as far off back when this movie was made. Like there had been like a Mario cartoon on TV and some, some stuff that did give him a voice. And it wasn't that different from, you know, Bob Hoskins doing, doing a a, you know new york accent you know like like we have in this movie so you know uh but yeah these days you know mario is uh he's he's almost more like a mickey mouse sort of character you know like he's not really like a human that interacts with the world in like a kind of normal way like he is here yeah it's the one thing that i'm disappointed about with mario now is that it feels like the character doesn't really have room to be flexible anymore. Like you, you would see all these different interpretations of Mario back in the day um, that were, you know, officially from Nintendo. Where now it seems like no Mario has a very specific look. They lock There's that this down. One model. Yeah. This is the only Mario. There cannot be any other Marios. And yeah, you know, that that that's a little disappointing to me is that we don't get that variety of mm-hmm. interpretations of the character anymore. But um, Link, uh, what what's your history? With oh Mario? my goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, kind of um i did play a lot of mario's picross actually i liked the game boy game so much that i emulated the super famicom version despite the fact that i do not read japanese but uh luckily you don't need too much japanese knowledge to to play that one but no i think um uh my first exposure to the nes and to super mario brothers was uh i think going to a friend's house in kindergarten like um and I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, I can't remember what year I was in kindergarten, but that kid ended up moving to Washington, D.C. His parents might have had some kind of connection to one of the cities that where the test launch of the NES happened in 85. So he might have actually had like one of the first ones before the, the big rollout mm. nationwide happened in 86. Uh, but I don't remember too specifically well if, if if it was 86 or 85 but but yeah i i definitely remember that going over to his house and seeing that game that was the first my, my first time being exposed to video games at all and like a, a a year later i had my own nes with super mario brothers and all that um loved the character watched the cartoon that i that is i think almost unwatchable now like it's it's not a good show um but uh Dressed up as Mario for Halloween in second grade, specifically Raccoon Mario. It was very important. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, video games have been a pretty big part of my life through, like, 
most of my childhood. I mean, I, I went as Mario for Halloween in second grade. I went as Mega Man in third grade. Um, so, like, I, I was really into it. I subscribed to Nintendo Power from, um, like, the... Like, from 1990 until... God, I want to say, I think the GameCube era is when I finally said, eh, maybe, maybe it's time to stop subscribing to this magazine. I don't think the magazine lasted much longer after that either. <laughs> oh. once, you, once you stopped subscribing, that was it for that. This is our last guy. <laughs> you put their lights out. Yeah. yeah, some guy was just waiting for you so he could go home to his five kids. <laughs> Since you two have a, a podcast devoted to uh, uh, Super Nintendo games, uh, can I just ask what everybody's favorite Super Nintendo game is? You too, Trevor. Oh. If you if you can narrow it down to a fair, I'll 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 start. Mine's Donkey Kong Country. I, I love Donkey Kong Country. Number it's one. Number one. Yes. Okay. okay. I was gonna say uh, Donkey Kong Country, really big one for me as well. Um, I've got a lot of really uh, fond memories of playing that game with friends, but I think Super Mario World is actually my favorite, and I do think that it is like the closest thing to like a per- a perfect game, if if it even could be said that such a thing even exists, but. Um, Super Mario World for me is 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 that unless you know something else comes along to dethrone it as we go through them all I don't know but I I have my doubts at this point like we we didn't think that Legend of Zelda topped it so I'm I'm kind of thinking like eh, that that's probably it um, my one's Chrono Trigger number one with a bullet uh, unquestioned good one. dang yeah, so you two you yeah. two shook heads immediately I've never I've never even heard really? of that game <laughs> okay yeah yeah so it came out later. Um, yeah, it's, it's, an a, RPG. it's a pretty late on game, but yeah, it's uh, it's an RPG. It's got time travel, uh, you know, character designs by Akira Toriyama, the Dragon Ball creator. Uh, yeah, wonderful yeah. game. Chrono. Oh, yeah. What is it again? Chrono, Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. Yeah. All right. I will. I will look yeah. that up. Yeah. Really, really <laughs> good one. Now, on a system that's got a lot of really great Japanese RPGs, that might be the best one. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, the the playability and and just the pace of it, despite yeah. it being a turn based RPG, well, is phenomenal. And I mean, and I mean, it's like for one of those, it's actually not that long, but it has a bunch of different endings and a bunch of different ways you can do different cool things with it on like repeat playthroughs and stuff. So it's yeah. it's awesome, yeah. Um, but Mario World is also very high for me, uh, and um, yeah, uh, those those are, I mean, you know, Mario World was one of the the very very first games for the system and uh it's it's pretty impressive to have something that good come out along with with your system so yeah uh for me it's probably Mega Man x um mm, yeah. turtles in time is a close second uh, mm-hmm. although that usually depends on if i have somebody to play it with yeah. um but for solo gaming experiences Mega Man x is probably my favorite um it's the one that i keep coming back to i i have the cartridge i I pop it in every once in a while. Uh, actually, I think I yeah. may have told you, Link, um, a while back I was editing the podcast, um, one that Kyle and I had recorded, and I was just playing back the audio and hopping over to the computer to you know make edits whenever I heard a you know a fart or a, <laughs> or a, too many ums or ers in a row or something. I don't <laughs> fart on the mic, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's your chair, Kyle. You're, you have a squeaky <laughs> chair. Sometimes I got to cut the audio. I'm, you know, I'm trying to run a tight ship here. But anyway, I was like passively listening to the audio while playing Mega Man X on mute. So I'm like multitasking here. 
And basically, I, I put in Mega Man X, and before I finished the edit, I was like, holy shit, I beat it. <laughs> I still got yeah. it. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like, nice. It felt so fucking good. Like yeah. it, it was like mm-hmm. six months ago or something, but I was like, wow, I still got this. <laughs> like, Did you even have a box of cereal to play with it? Like, were you, were you just going in dry? No, man, hey, no pauses, geez, no bathroom no, breaks. You just got to run straight through. <laughs> no Fruit Loops, no Honeycomb. You just went straight through. Speedrun yes, that game. You're getting over that golden crisp. <laughs> no. Can we just spend the rest of the podcast talking about old cereals now? Can we? Eh. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, that that would be six hours. There's already a podcast for that. It's called Cereal. I'm pretty sure that's what it's about. Well, we'd have like a 20-minute segue on the Cookie Crisp mascots. <laughs> right, yeah, years, yeah. So, <laughs> so no, I will say, though, um, Trevor, surprised you did not say Axley because you've been bugging us about it like several times that it should be higher on our list. We're go- yeah, so folks at home, this has become a little bit of a running gag. <laughs> yes. Although, from my perspective, it's not a gag. I'm like actually kind of deathly serious. <laughs> so I, I've been a, you know, I've been listening to the Snescafe podcast pretty much since it started, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, every once in a while, uh, Emmy and, and Link put out like a, a call for like, hey, does anybody have any objections to our rankings and whatnot? And pretty much every opportunity, I'm like, hey, motherfucker. Axley deserves to be number one. We, <laughs> you know, you know. I will say with Axley, um, we have recently had a bit of a. We we've been thinking about it, and like the um, uh, we we we. So one of the things we do on our show sometimes is we look at uh, issues of Nintendo Power that came out during the the time period that we're covering on the show, and uh, one of the year-end features for the end of 1992 was this ranking of games that had come out that year and we were actually both kind of surprisingly offended that they didn't put Axelay into a couple of categories for their like top 10 of the year it's like what that game was way better than you know some of the stuff that's that's on here so you know we've been we've been thinking a little uh, uh, more fondly we didn't we we did not hate Axelay we just didn't rank it as high as you you wanted us to but uh you know we have thought more fondly on that game in retrospect i think yeah. so it's gonna yeah, get relitigated you know, it's it's probably due for it's it's got it's due for for another day in court well, you don't so, have to yeah. do that for me but i would ask you to do this um mm-hmm. listen to the soundtrack in isolation okay. Mm, just yeah. just do that for your own pleasure um yeah i'm, I'm not asking you to, to re-rank it you already have uh, i think a couple of times <laughs> by now so it, i appreciate it'll probably that go up a little bit but yeah yeah but yeah okay well that being said um thank you so much for sharing uh the history of mario and what he means to y'all but um we should probably get into this this uh trash fire <laughs> yeah. movie yeah, <laughs> so we, we should um kyle uh you think it would be customary to tackle like the actors and their performances I, and maybe use that as like a branching off point. Yeah, I, uh, there's a, some fun character actors in here, but yeah, I think talking about the performances because honestly, uh, much like Street Fighter, I don't really think anybody's slacking in their performances. Even Dennis no. Hopper. Yeah, no. I'm kind of I was kind of impressed by that. <laughs> All right, so we should probably start with Mario Mario Bob Hoskins, <laughs> being as it's it's his movie. Um, I I thought he was fantastic. Is it uh, well, I mean, it's. I think Luigi is actually the main character. Yeah, right. But, but yeah, but Mario, his his name's on the cover. His yeah. name's on the cover. He is the guy you're here to see. And uh, yeah, Bob Hoskins is really actually really good in this movie. 
Yeah, I thought he showed up to play, and um, I do think it's kind of funny that there are some weird parallels to Roger Rabbit um, in, in like, the basic outline of this movie, mm-hmm. where it's, like, I'm pretty sure somebody had, had that in mind when they ultimately ended up casting him. I guess Danny DeVito was in the running for this role for quite a while, and holy shit, that is a little bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, uh, Dustin Hoffman as well, I think, was interested in the role, and uh, but, but actually, Nintendo said no I cannot imagine him. that. I yeah that was a good call on that was good for them part. yeah good, N- good nintendo choice. probably saw that hey he's got ishtar on his resume like <laughs> get get his ass get his ass out the door we're not talking the funny to him. thing now that's 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 something people would say about having mario brothers on your resume if you're you know say a director exactly <laughs> yeah but um yeah kyle uh hoskins like you i think you texted me when you're watching the movie that's like wow he he really showed up um mm-hmm. And yeah. was there anything specifically about his performance that jumped out at you? It's it's really comical because of the Bob Hoskins movies I've seen. Uh, I was trying to look at the name of one I've seen. Uh, Cousin Bet was one. I wanted to see a long, The Long Good Friday, which apparently is like his best movie. Uh, it's early on. But I'm thinking like Shmee and from Hook and oh, like sure. who, who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Eddie Valiant. This, he's just like, uh, he's like a legit cartoon character. Like, his facial expressions, the way he reacts to stuff. That, I think my favorite scene is the actual dinner scene, where they're uh, just, mm-hmm. like, talking back and forth. Yeah, he's, like you said, his physical acting, too. Like, he just, he's all around. He's actually doing the movie. And he doesn't look like he's having a bad time. Off, <laughs> off screen, yeah, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, it doesn't, you don't see it in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he... Um he really does a good job and for as miserable as he says he was throughout the film i mean uh what was it? he was on some show and, and answered super mario brothers to like what was your worst job what would you change if you could you know go back and change your career and things like that and you know he said uh, mario brothers i wouldn't do mario brothers um but yeah he he does some he's got some great physical performances here i i can't remember if i already talked about this but the scene where he and luigi are standing on the ledge luigi john lakewazama are standing on the ledge and uh luigi jumps in the portal mario is trying to muster up the courage to go in after him he, it's just some really great physical acting from from bob there uh i thought you know as he's kind of like stumbles and you know pull, pulls himself back it's it's uh it was really good yeah, it's it's like Kyle had mentioned. It's almost like a Looney yeah. Tunes, like mm-hmm. kind of shtick to it, where like his his body language when he's like teasing the idea of right. like reaching out to the portal and like kind of like falling back against the wall. And um, I I love the angle at which he hits that it wall. By the way, yeah, how does he do that? How does he turn completely upside down? <laughs> I'm guessing there was a wire rig involved. I'm pretty sure they didn't yeah. want Bob Bob Hoskins, who as far as I can tell is not a physical specimen, to do a fucking <laughs> front flip into a waterfall. <laughs> It, like styrofoam wall or not that's still you know a flip into a water yeah. source <laughs> can, I, can i just say there's a there's a bit a little bit later on in the movie where where he and uh and john leguizamo ride like a zip line out of the prison and i just was like like man bob hoskins can't do that that's not like like how is he hanging how how is how is in in universe how is like mario the plumber you know suspending himself completely from like you know with his upper body strength there like i i don't know it's all about that initial jump like if you get enough momentum and you slam into the thing but then they would stop in the middle and they'd be like oh crap they've got the same uh stunt double playing him there is the old lady in that other scene 
Oh, no, really? no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I mean, but yeah. I, I like his fast plumbing uh, when he's actually doing. He's really good at, yeah. at the plumbing. Yeah, the, the fast uh, plumbing. I'm like, man, he's actually like. You mean where, really doing where he's this. where he's uh, <laughs> uh, like pressing uh, various tools up against a leaky pipe as if it's doing something? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Once once again, if he's that good of a plumber, how is he that broke? <laughs> Like, is it just because Luigi keeps, like, picking up the phone to, like, listen to their answering machine where there is a job waiting? And he's like, he's oh, like, delete. No <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, basically, Luigi might be a bad apprentice, is, I guess, what I'm saying. I don't know. I like the idea of him tying up the phone. Like, he's calling the Jenny Jones show, like, nonstop. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> it's like, none, right. of, none of the calls could get through. Or, like, Donahue or something. <laughs> Mario, Miss Cleo's got to read my fortune. <laughs> there you go. He's broke because he's supporting Luigi. And, uh, yeah, that's I'm assuming true. Luigi, that's true. Yeah. They have they have money in the budget for yeah. the weird pin things where you you press your hand or your face up against it to yep, get yeah. the impression in it. You know, they they've got a good Spencer's gifts budget, but you know, I would say frivolous spending, man. You don't need that thing. Jeez. <laughs> uh. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like around the horn, like we all seem to agree that Bob Hoskins really showed up to play. I did like that the script uh, did cater to him being a plumber. Like that was something that personally I didn't think was terribly important to make to make a Mario story really work. But somebody thought it was important to key in on the fact that hey, our two central characters are plumbers. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's use lots of plumbing shit to get the. To save the day, right, essentially. Yeah, I yeah. did actually think that was an interesting little attention to detail, where his tool belt really is kind of the hero of the movie. He does seem to have a solution <laughs> to everything, and I like that there's a recurring element with his performance where he relates pretty much everything to yeah. plumbing. It mm-hmm. seems like a little bit of maybe a little cross he, wires he knows, in his head he knows, or something, where it's like Mario. He knows the difference <laughs> between like an, where an echo is coming from and where an actual voice is coming from because he's been listening to pipes all his life. And also, do you think all plumbers just have plungers like mounted on their wall from like past? Yes, that's that's actually a okay. fact. I'm glad you uh, <laughs> asked that question. Like, yes, they all okay. do have that. <laughs> it's a it's a union. Thing. We all got. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like that. That like he finds a way to kind of lend it some charm and like his performance. He does have that like twinkle in mm-hmm. his eye, like mm-hmm. like y'all were saying, like he he showed up and you can tell that even though he's gone on record saying he was utterly miserable like when the cameras weren't rolling it doesn't translate to the product mm-hmm. at the end of the day and like there's that goofy scene when they first arrive at the the koopa tower segment which seems like we all agreed before we started recording um it's kind of a drag i i like that when they show up there they come in and like they're looking at like the sewer system and in spite of seeing, you know, dinosaur people and, and eggs and strollers and shit like that, like, the one thing that really grinds his gears is like, man, look at the state of these pipes. <laughs> like, <laughs> they haven't been serviced in years. Yeah, they haven't been serviced in years. <laughs> uh, what if that was the Mario voice for, like, Mario 64? Like, yeah, woohoo, mama mia. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Mario. Waha. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess that's, true. that's the voice for Wario now, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. personally, fuck that dude. I, yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of a he's kind of a punk, but he's a heel. Yeah, yeah, he he is he's the consummate heel. He's very good at his job. But... And Waluigi can suck it too. Whoa, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, so much hate for Waluigi, yeah. really. 
Oh, sorry, really, really quick. So who's everybody's character they play with uh, on on Mar- uh, Mario Kart? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mario Kart. So, who who do you usually play with? Just curious. Um, I. Uh, I, I I use Yoshi most of the time. Yoshi's Yoshi's my go-to, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, I I like any game with Luigi where they give him the vacuum cleaner car uh, is is good for me too. Okay. Uh, where where you know it's shaped like his vacuum cleaner from like Luigi's Mansion. Love it. Uh, last time I was doing Mario Kart was probably Mario Kart DS and. I think I actually started getting pretty good with Rob because I did like using the heavier drivers and just the the novelty of seeing Rob, this this failed Trojan horse of a peripheral from the NES <laughs> driving around in this Mario Kart, it kinda kinda tickled me in a way. So Yeah, Rob might have actually been my go to for that one. I still have a Rob somewhere uh in my parents' basement. Um I think it still functions, it's just not it needs a particular kind of battery that I just never seem to have on hand. But um, for me, uh, I actually, much like the rest of the Mario series, I, I kind of fell off with Mario Kart. The last one that I remember playing was uh, the 3DS one. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was using Shy Guy in that. Um, but before that, like the, the greatest Mario Kart experience I've ever had in my life was in college. Uh, we played Double Dash on mm-hmm. the GameCube. And uh, mm-hmm. we had what we called the Monkey Turtle Team. Okay. Um, it was uh, I was Bowser and he was Donkey Kong, my roommate. And holy shit, uh, you go so fucking fast. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, and you have to just like completely mangle the joystick to make any sort of turns. Right. But you go so fast. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and Kyle, how about you? Oh, uh, I usually go Dry Bones for the Mario Kart on the Wii or uh, mm. or Koopa. Gotcha. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I can. Not, <laughs> I just had to know. I, I got. I got to know. I got to know. <laughs> I got to know if I'm okay with everybody. Here. <laughs> yeah. Like... What 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 does everyone think of Mario's driving in this movie? It's better than Luigi's. <laughs> that's that's true. It is. He says is, at yeah. one point there's no brakes, and I'm like, what do you mean there's no brakes on the car? But then I remember like, oh yeah, they use that weird like, uh, um, that grip. Yeah, like thing, the, the thing that like the, the... they use on aircraft carriers to catch the planes when they when they land. Resting cables, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. Man, that's a... Yeah, not only that, they, I think they also operate, like, bumper cars. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're all... Like, mm-hmm. using an electrical grid suspended above, um, and I think at that point in the film, like, the computer actually says, you're off. Yes, you no yeah. Power. It's like, it's like oh, okay, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, his driving was... Uh, Okay, except a lot of it, a lot of it is taken directly out of his hands. Like, at one point, their car is mounted on top of another car, and it's just kind of like... What am I doing here? <laughs> am I driving? No, my, my, fa- my, my, fa- my favorite bit of that is like when they get like kind of sloughed off of the other car and he's in control again and he's like, now this is driving. And it's like, yes, this is driving. You weren't doing that before. It's it's good that you recognize the difference yeah. here. Uh, All I yeah. could think of was yeah. pod, dri- I mean, uh, driving. Yeah, this is. Yeah, now now this is now this is yeah, pod racing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Boy, driving yeah. is wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now was Mario Kart like the for the Super Nintendo, was that out at this Yes. At yeah, this I time? think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was that was out at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you think they thought about having like a legit like race in the movie at any point? Or are they like well, that's just I mean, who knows? this went through so many writers and revisions that like that uh, this could have been a Mario Kart movie at some point. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> well, 
and it's also it's also weird, right? Because like everything that's from the Mario games in this movie goes through this strange filter to justify it in this fictional universe. So like you know, maybe maybe this was at some point the the sequence where they're driving around in the like stolen police car. Maybe at some point this was conceived of as like a nod to the Mario Kart games and it just ended up like this. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's really hard to tell. I don't want to get completely in the weeds here because we still got some other <laughs> cast members that I'd certainly like to talk yeah. about. But this seems like the right time for it. Um, references to the game yeah. um, are like like <clears throat> Emmy was getting at. Um, this could be spun. This car sequence, this brief like cop car chase, could certainly be spun as like an homage or like a tip of the hat to Mario Kart being a thing. Um, unfortunately, they they kind of slipped up there. Nobody throws any turtle shells at you. Yeah, um, that was a missed opportunity. Actually, they do kind of a joke with the bob bomb at the end that they could have done with a banana peel, mm. where it's just like mm, somebody. Yeah. It, it would be like uh, Billy Madison when the O'Doyle clan goes off the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just like casual banana peel, and then somebody sees it. Camera does a smash zoom into it. Oh my god! And the tire hits this, you know, just innocuous little banana peel, and then the car does like a fucking flip and explodes <laughs> in midair. Like that would be pretty awesome, and that would be a fun little reference to the the games. Mm-hmm. But um, this movie is sprinkled with all sorts of things that I'm not even sure if they're intended to be references. Like there's certainly characters mm-hmm. who are, you know, named the same as they are in the games and are very loosely like on an aesthetic level connected to them but there's some really loosely but there's some really obscure ones as well like um daniella was a big surprise to me uh, because the character's full name so this would be mario's girlfriend right um right uh, her full name is daniella pauline verducci what? Really? She is Pauline. I, I was, I've been, I've been one. I was wondering, like, when, uh, when I was watching, it's like, why is it? Why did they call her Daniela and not Pauline? Like, because um, Pauline uh, is the name of uh, Mario's girlfriend from Donkey right. Kong. She's the lady that Donkey Kong, uh, you know, kidnaps. But that's that's so weird. Why Wait, when is it? Is it stated in the movie that that's her full name? Is it? It's never stated in the movie. Is- it's it's a production detail. It's not in the oh, movie, weird. but it's okay. like one of those that's, things. Like, why why so would anyone strange. care about that? Because this is you know this is pre internet. Yeah. This is yeah well, right. Like nobody would care about. Well, that. I mean the, the the main princess in the movie is called Daisy, which is a name that they used in the Game Boy Super Mario Land, and I presume that is only because they didn't want to have a character named Toadstool, and they were walking around saying, hey, "Where's Toadstool?" Uh, because, you know, in, in Japan, the character was always named Princess Peach, but over here, they didn't give her that name until Mario 64, so American gamers were still referring to her as Princess Toadstool. Um, so I'm guessing they just said, well, we've got this yeah. name Daisy, let's just use that, because it's a it's an actual name. I think you're right, Link, yeah. where it, Toadstool is too much of a mouthful. Like, that would be difficult to yeah. slot into, you know, quick sentences where people are shouting at each other and stuff. Daisy, is it rolls off the tongue a lot And easier. for some reason, they know her name is Daisy in the, the Dino universe. Um, yes. So, like, that just is her name. It's not like, oh, Princess Toadstool was what we called her over here, but now she's, you know, in, on Earth they named her Daisy or whatever. No, it's just, her name is just Daisy somehow. Uh well, I guess her mom named her like the second she popped out or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like it's like I have an egg. The egg hasn't even hatched yet. I am naming this egg it Daisy. Like a, a label. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell everyone in Dino Hat. She took one of those label makers <laughs> and just wrote Daisy on the egg somewhere that we didn't yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. 
Um, but in addition to things like Pauline, which is that's a deep cut. That's really deep. You also yeah. have things like you know the flamethrower guns. They shoot fireballs, which is a thing you know that's been around in the Mario series for quite a right. while. Uh, the Bob-omb, of course. Um, but then there's some like little obscure ones that again I'm not entirely certain if it was done intentionally. Like at the during the final battle with Koopa, uh, who is called Koopa mm-hmm. in this. Um, President Koopa. Yeah, yeah President Koopa. Um, there's that like construction device, the the bowl mm-hmm. that's suspended above the streets that looks yeah. kind of similar to some of the devices that Bowser has used to fight Mario. Yeah, over the it, years. it it looks kind of like the flying pod that he he is in at the end of Super Mario World. Yeah, all uh, I mean I to make is, to solidify the reference, sort of you could put the... a, a smiley face on it or something, but they didn't right, do yeah, that. Just like so a graffiti, just like a graffiti smiley face on it would have been cool. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, and there's weird stuff too, like um, the uh, the the like club that they have to go to to get the the rock back from Big Bo- from from uh, Big Bertha. Is, it is, is that her name? Big Bertha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, is is called the Boom Boom Bar, which um, isn't Boom Boom. Boom Boom's the name of like the mid boss guy in uh, yep. in Mario Three that you fight in all of the the fortresses. So yeah, it's. You know, it's just like here's some here's some names, here's some things that might, if you squint at them, be like really vaguely related to stuff from the Mario yeah. games. Well, and, like the, uh, the, yeah. the stompers, the boots that they use are Thwomp branded. Uh, apparently, yeah. that is what the Thwomp was. I found out uh, on watching the movie a second time is that oh okay, yeah, the Got Thwomp it. is the brand of the boots. Uh, which uh, interesting tidbit: those mm-hmm. boots are the same props that are used in Face Off for the prison scene where they yeah oh yeah. really. Oh wow! When they're yeah. in the magnetic prison yep. and face off, wow, yeah. that's wild. Uh, but there's that, you know. There's there's Goombas obviously, which look nothing like uh, Goombas in the game. Which uh, another fun tidbit about Goombas: they were not meant to be mushrooms in the game. They were actually meant to be chestnut men. So, yeah. Wow, I yeah. was not aware of that. Um, but yeah, so we got the Goombas. We've got enemies that are called Sniffits, which are the the toxic waste handlers. Uh, Sniffits are the enemies from. The American Super Mario 2 that spit bullets out of their little masks. Um, I'm trying to. Write. There were a few other signs I was trying to make out to see if there was any other like little references. There was a a Bullet Bills nightclub, and then the the things that they used to charge the boots also look like Bullet Bills. Um, the the Super Scope sixes are obviously you know like used as props for the Devo guns. Um, these movies, okay. We've watched three of these movies. These movies have an obsession with bringing in real-world hardware into the movies. Double Dragon has an actual Double Dragon arcade machine in it. Street Fighter had, you know, Bison's console with that was obviously a Street Fighter 2 joystick. And this movie has the Super Scope. It's... I, I think it was just the general vibe yeah. uh, among studios mm-hmm. at the time. where, Like you said, like in reference yeah. to Sonic, it's, it's a boardroom full of people who are well out of the general demographic for who this is intended for and they're just kind of like eh what will the kids like it's like uh, let's uh, put the actual video game hardware in the in the movie and it's like mm, that doesn't really do anything for anyone but thanks for trying at least at least i can tell you tried but your your efforts were in mm-hmm. vain but um one of the funny references that i actually wasn't aware of until i did a little bit of research was big birth oh yeah um Apparently that's the right. name of the big fish that gulps you in Super Mario. Well, it, it's World. the name of the big fish that spits out the little <laughs> fish in the water levels. The big fish that eats you is Big Boss Bass. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I know way wow, too much stuff about Mario. I shouldn't even be allowed on this show. But <laughs> no, that's why you're here. But no, it, see, that was something I wasn't aware yeah. of. That that yes, that character was actually in the games in some fashion. It, they certainly aren't represented the way they are in the in the game. But <laughs> totally different interpretation. Mm-hmm. But they're there. Um, but we can we can get back to references as yeah. we go. But um, John Leguizamo as Luigi Mario. Um, thoughts on him? Um, I think he's doing. He's enthusiastic. <laughs> I think he's doing the best he can with what he's got, which unfortunately is like, I don't know. Luigi is the main character of this movie. He's the one who has like, you know, the most sort of like stakes for for his his interaction with like you know, the plot of the movie, basically. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I I think he is, like I said, doing doing the best he can with, with this character, but what that character is seems to change, like, four or five times <laughs> over the course of the movie. Yeah, also. I mean, he starts out as a complete, just, child. He, he is a child <laughs> at the start of this movie. Um, you know, I... I yeah, I don't know what you do with that. I don't know how you do that better than what Lake Wazamo did, I guess. Um, you know, I, th- I think his performance is fine. I think he, he did the best with what he was given. But yeah, boy, that that character... I just don't know what to make of that character. And and I think he does play off uh, Bob Hoskins oh, yeah, yeah. pretty well. Like, you know, the, the moments when they're just, like, bantering with each other are probably some of, like, the stronger things in the movie, even if they're kind of, like, a lot of them don't really go anywhere. Well, weren't they apparently Leguizamo and uh, Bob Hoskins? They were getting drunk, like they were just yeah. Like, every with each day other. they yeah. were drinking before they started filming, and then after they filmed. So yeah, I mean, so they had like a good camaraderie. They had they had a good relationship. I, I mean, all of the actors were sort of like unified in their hatred for the directors of the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah, that probably helped with the the chemistry between the two of them because yeah, they're like, well, we're just trying to get through this thing. We're not even bothering to learn our lines anymore because they keep rewriting the script on us. So I think John Leguizamo is better when he's being an agitate. Like he's he's kind of an annoying uh actor. Like he plays those characters really well. Um, <laughs> he was yeah, he's literally so. yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the past uh him and spawn uh, as the clown. oh yeah right yeah. yeah 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 uh even in two wong fu he's kind of like uh he's kind of the ire of patrick swayze's character like he's mm-hmm. he's kind of a pain in the ass no, that's yeah that's true uh but yeah he's he's better as like a it, it would have been more funny if he was so stupid it was like aggravating in the movie like why would you do that it, it's more like i mean he's just kind of dumb I- I think the problem is that the movie cannot actually decide whether or not Luigi is right about like the main things he believes because judging from judging from like the end of the movie he actually is right about like believing in things and trusting your gut but like every individual instance of that throughout the movie is is wrong like he's wrong in all of them so I don't know it's uh it's it's um, it's a strange thing that I think, you know, maybe that was like clearer in earlier versions of the script because, uh, uh, one thing we have not talked about is the fact that this script got really, apparently really extensively rewritten right before they started filming and then was continually changed and updated as they filmed. So yeah, um, it's, I don't know. It's 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 strange because Luigi is really annoying for a lot of the movie, but 
there's also a, a sense that the movie kind of wants you to give him the benefit of the doubt whenever he has a new idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything else, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to talk. Oh, well, um, yeah, I, I thought... Uh, I thought John Leguizamo certainly brought some enthusiasm to the table. That seems to be like really his strongest, his strongest yeah. asset to the to the film is is he brings some energy, he brings some life to it. Um, it is kind of goofy watching him kind of jump back and forth between being right in following his gut and completely and utterly wrong at times. Um, unfortunately, a lot of his screen time seems to be devoted to. Um, really ugly instances of, as Steampunk like had mentioned earlier, like not necessarily his lines being ADR'd, but him kind of having to look directly into the camera and say, "Hey, yo, the fungus is the king." <laughs> like he's just kind of right, like constantly yeah. reminding the audience about like where we're at with things and what we're trying to achieve. In fact, there was there was a part where um, I was in the middle of building a model kit when i i had this movie on in the background i I watched it twice um once like taking notes and once just like listening to it essentially um and there's a scene after they get out of the 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 nightclub where it's actually kind of funny but i didn't realize why it was funny um until i heard just the audio in isolation when i basically wasn't paying attention to the movie basically they get out and they're on a catwalk and the camera keeps like showing their pov and it's like cops goombas the rock Daisy, the tower, Sludge Goldberg. <laughs> like, that's yeah. literally the dialogue. And it's like the movie kind of like trying to keep the audience up to speed with what's going on. And unfortunately, that seems to be most of Luigi's dialogue in this movie. So, so much of this movie, just in general, is people like running while shouting exposition <laughs> at each other. It's 100%. Well, and, true. and this goes back to like the ADR thing, too, where it feels like so much of the movie's plot is just backfilled with ADR. Like, there's a scene uh, early in the movie where uh, Luigi and Daisy are going to the construction site because she wants to show Luigi around. There's an establishing shot of the construction site, and they have an entire conversation over that establishing shot and i'm just like i think that this was done in post just because like we haven't we haven't told the audience enough of what's going on so we're just going to have them exposit to each other over this establishing shot can i just say there there's a bit um there's a bit like right after the 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 thing that that steampunk link is talking about uh where she's showing him like the the fossilized dinosaur bones and she just really casually mentions like oh yeah this dinosaur has an opposable thumb and it's like that should be a much bigger deal than it is like that should be a thing that people care about here not like the iridium or whatever like it's uh like like shouldn't this matter but it's just like kind of tossed off um like it, it's it's nothing this, this movie um, has a very yeah. loose grasp of you know like archaeology and evolution and things like that grasp i think they're <laughs> trying to grasp <laughs> good point it's yeah. very loose <laughs> yes you're right you're right uh, the de-evolution okay and uh dennis hopper's character it, he's uh president he tyrannosaur yes he's a tyrannosaurus. Yeah, he was, he was a he is Tyrannosaurus, yeah. So is that? Yeah. Are they implying that he he was literally a Tyrannosaurus that has turned into a person, or just like they're actually doing evolution correctly in this case, and like he his ancestor was a Tyrannosaurus, and he is like the the you know descendant. So let let me take that for a walk. <laughs> okay. So 
As I, you going to walk the dinosaur? <laughs> Open the door, get on the floor. <laughs> boom, boom. boom. This is the best part of this movie. It's the best part of the movie. It's the it's best part song. of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie, I listened to that song on its own a few times in the past week. <laughs> but, I'm going to when we're done. So, let me take that for a walk. So, President Koopa, the president slash general or whatever the fuck, um... He has a few lines of dialogue saying he invented the de-evolution machine. And the first person he used it on was the king. So it's my understanding that because de-evolution didn't exist prior to him inventing it, he had to naturally have evolved from a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So his descendants or whatever were were a T-Rex and he he is now himself. So it's in his past. You know, you know, he got the twenty-three and me done. And, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Tyrannosaurus, and that's how he. No, knows. there's there's yeah. like point zero one percent like Compsognathus, and he's like, no, I'll just keep that under wraps. <laughs> Nobody like, needs whatever, to know whatever, about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we're talking about the cast, uh, but I wanted to know if I could go on a tangent really fast about the de-evolution chamber and basically video game movies' obsession with weird transformation chambers. Because um, again, we've watched three of these movies. And all of them have featured some sort of a transformation chamber. Uh, Street Fighter had the Blanca machine. Uh, uh, Double Dragon had the weird uh, machine that... Inc- a Bobo machine? The Bobo machine, yes, that, <laughs> yeah. that inflated him. The dentist yes. chair that they, they used to turn a, a Bobo into the Stay Puff Marshmallow. Right. Man. Yeah. And then this one has the D-Evo and also Evo machine i guess it, it does both it goes both ways because yeah. this is one thing i like about the implications of this so toad is a good guy devolves remains a good guy spike and iggy bad guys they get smarter turn into good guys so. the more you know <laughs> <laughs> um so i i wasn't sure if you're done oh yeah no i'm good, but, good. um so I've kind of taken that for a walk too. Ninja Turtles, that's your answer. Like oh, Ninja okay. Turtles was a massive phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's you're right. It, you're yeah. right. O- ooze, mut- mutants. We were in, we were just completely saturated. Like the like pop culture was nothing but ooze and mutants for many many years. Yeah, you know, yeah. In 1993, you know, the Ninja Turtles were on their way to completely sucking, <laughs> but they ha- I think. Had Turtles three come out by then? The movie, I mean. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I think Turtles three had come out because I think they did one a year, basically. Okay, well, they didn't completely the, start the sucking till they got like the holiday special shit with like the Easter Rabbit and you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. By 1993, we were still in the midst of that. Yeah. I mean, I think Swamp Thing was a cartoon at that point. I remember mm, the place yeah. that had a transmutation chamber of okay. some sort. Everybody had yeah. that shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, it was everywhere. And Nickelodeon yeah. was dumping ooze on people. Every slime, rather, every fucking day. Double Dare was a. We thing. did get a bit of slime. <laughs> we did get a bit of slime in this movie. Uh, you know, when when people get completely de-evolved, they just turn yep. into goo. Yeah. Uh, What's and, the goo uh, that? Dennis Hopper is in. I actually thought it was really funny because they come in like she's in like the desert or whatever, and he's just like up to his neck in some kind of goo. It's just it's just mud. He's like having a bath yeah, in a... mud, and he has this this awful line, like the one of the worst lines in the movie, where he's like like the thing I love about mud is that 
it's dirty and clean at the same time. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. I, I yeah. think even worse than that is his uh, face acting after that. Yeah. Where they hold yeah. on him yeah. for like three, four, or five more seconds longer than anyone needed to. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to make yeah. a face. <laughs> I'll actually say yeah. Dennis Hopper is, he's not matching. Uh, he's not, I think he could do a little bit more. I think he's doing about 80%. I think he could be a little bit more manic. I've seen his parts of Blue Velvet and him yeah. in Waterworld. He can do a little bit more energy. I mean, he, the the scene, it, it is it is probably, I would say probably like the, the worst scene in the movie, but the scene where he's like threatening Daisy is the one where he's going like full, like Frank B. <laughs> yeah, and it's, you know, and it's real. Uh, you know, it's, it's not great for like that to be in like a kid's movie, I don't think. Uh, but it's, it's, it's concerning, certainly. Yeah, like, I think yeah. video game adaptations had an issue. Like, they're trying to make these movies for kids, but then they throw in, like, something in Street Fighter we know, we mentioned. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a little bit of a dark section that's kind of out of place. Yeah, and I will say, uh, like, the, yeah. I think the scene in Street Fighter isn't even as bad as this one is. Uh, this one feels very, very predatory and sexual in a way that the Street Fighter one didn't as much to me, or it didn't read that way to me. Um, and, and that's what's... As an adult, as an adult, you pick on it, pick up on it a little bit more. As yeah. a kid, you wouldn't really, really mm-hmm. notice no, it. No, it's. Yeah. I, I didn't notice it when I was a kid, but watching the movie this time, I was like, "Yo, wait, <laughs> this is yeah." Uh, but but yeah, um, Dennis Hopper. It sounds like had like the worst time of anybody filming this movie. Like he specifically has really bad stories about the uh, the yeah. directors and like just you know yeah and like. I guess there was, like, a situation where, like, um, they, like, he ended up shouting at them for, like, three hours <laughs> or something right before they filmed a scene, and uh, it, it, I kind of, I wonder which one it was, you know? Like, I, I wonder, like, because, like, uh, he, he said that, like, the, um, the, the, directors kept like changing things without telling anybody and that i feel like that probably specifically impacted his character a lot so yeah he was also sober he was also he was also sober for this production so you've got the other two drinking every day and he's just grumbling like these fucking assholes he's just sucking down cigarettes yeah yeah Yeah. i will say like his anger probably helped his role but yeah, he's no Raul Julia M. Bison. I'm a, I'm just gonna say that. Like it, uh, Raul Julia was so no. good as as M. Bison, and, and granted, he is giving he is given much less to work with. Like like Emmy just said, he's got you know lines about how mud is dirty and clean, where M. Bison has you know like the, you know I'm not mad. I'm doing this for good. And that's the other thing is that Koopa calls himself evil, where M. Bison clearly thinks he is doing the right thing, even if he is like. Looney Tunes off the wall, but you know, like, so yeah, just just a better villain, better stuff to work with, and honestly, I think Raul Julia gave such a better performance than Dennis Hopper. And the other thing is, like, he just looks so much like Trump that I can't, I just can't get over it. I I really can't. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to describe what the hair looks like for Dennis Hopper? <laughs> Oh, it is something. It is. So they clearly Max Headroom. I looked Max up Headroom. Max Headroom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he does look. So okay, this is a thing. I guess I'll I'll mention this now. Um, 
so I don't it sounds like the three of you are not super familiar with this property, but um, the directors of this movie were the main people behind uh, a late 80s TV show called Max Headroom, uh, which you've, you've probably seen this character around even if you haven't seen the show. But um, yeah, the uh, the production design of this kind of owes a lot, I think, to Max Headroom, which was this sort of like dystopian sort of cyberpunk sci-fi show. Uh, where, you know, the it's in the future and, uh, you know, television networks control everything, basically. And it had, you know, some, some kind of social commentary aspects uh, that are not present at all in this movie. This movie is sort of like, what if you took that world, but made all of it mean nothing, basically. Uh, and, yeah, Dennis Hopper's hair in this, it looks like the Max Headroom hair. I think they were trying to give him, like, uh, a look that was maybe a little bit, you know, like a predatory animal. Like, he's got these really hard, gelled, like, ribs of hair on his head uh, that are just, like, flattened down but but made up to, like, kind of peaks. And it's, it's a, a really... It's a really strange hairstyle that, yeah... Uh, and it's also like bleach blonde, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that wasn't fun to have done up every day, but I, I like that no. Bob Hoskins refers to him as Rufflehead at the end. Like I was like, that's pretty yeah. accurate. It's got the it's got the ridges. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I had to guess as to which scene um, was the one that the tirade came from, it was probably during the finale, uh, because the blocking mm-hmm. of the whole like 20, 30 minute climax oh, is God, yeah. is just it makes no sense like there it's miserable yeah it's yeah. really it's it kind of drags it doesn't really make any sense logistically it goes like put it this way if you're choreographing an action scene and you have people like starting in in x position and returning to that position 10 minutes later or 15 minutes later there's a problem that means you ran out of ideas or maybe your edit is fucked uh, either one mm-hmm. of those, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was getting upset with the directors for maybe not having their shit together, because... Yeah. I mean, he said that he was hired to be on that movie for five weeks, and he ended up being there for 17 weeks. I think anybody would be at their wit's mm. end by, yeah. by that point, yeah. so... Yeah, and it was filmed almost entirely on studios that were like a hundred degrees. Or oh something. yeah, yeah, yeah. They filmed they, they filmed this movie in like a a di- a decommissioned cement factory <laughs> that they were able to kind of hollow out and then build these like enormous. Yeah, like, I, I want to say in. I think it was in North Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So so this could not have been in any way a fun place to be and. Apparently he's also kind of a. I remember in uh, Hearts of Darkness, like he kind of had a little bit of issue with uh, Cope, like filming with Coppola, because he had directed Easy Rider at that point. So he kind of, right. he kind of had a little bit of friction there. At this point, like I don't know how many movies if if he had directed many outside of Easy Rider up to this point, he'd probably be kind of difficult to work with, especially if you have two people that are not really competent. I would say, or not really to his caliber, probably. And add on the extra weeks of filming, yeah. too, he was probably, yeah, really miserable. Yeah, I mean, the thing about these two directors, the, this husband and wife team, is that they were kind of brought in, I think, because they were sort of heavy in the digital art scene. And I guess they have kind of figured, well, you know, we're, this is the first video game movie. Why not bring in people who are, you know, into video art and, you know, see what they do? I mean, you know, it, it, it kind of makes some sense. But, yeah, obviously they didn't have, I, I think they only had, like, one actual, like, movie under their belt uh, and then 
yeah, with this, they were just uh, really in over their heads, I think. I, I almost felt sorry for them uh, reading, you know, some of the stuff about, you know, the, the experience, you know, as much as everybody hated them and blamed them for it. Um, and I felt I felt a little bit sorry for the two of them. Yeah, I, I've gotten so many conflicting reports to the point that I don't know whether to de- demonize yeah. them or, or, you know, feel some empathy towards them because they like pretty much every actor involved in the film has nothing but awful things to say about them i can't speak for the production crew um but i want to say part of how they got the gig maybe had to do with the tim burton effect where kyle and i seem to seek out these kinds of movies where there there was a sweet spot like in hollywood where beetlejuice made a lot of money and then Batman 89 certainly made a lot of money and you have this kind of movement in Hollywood where you have strong like visualist directors being hired like early 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 on mm-hmm. where they barely have anything under their belt but if you look at the because you you want to you want to get in on the ground floor for the next exactly yeah. right and so it yeah. doesn't surprise me that's like like link was getting at where it's like you have people that have uh, they're up to date with the technology. They have a strong background in a visual sense, and, and music videos, as far yes. as I know, is one of their strongest suits. Mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety-three. That was kind of a big thing to have on your resume. I mean, yeah. Michael Bay was doing Coca-Cola commercials <laughs> and Mike and Meatloaf music videos, and now yeah. he's the guy that makes the right. big explosion right. movies. So I want to say that probably had something to do with it. That and as we said up top, working with a small studio makes them kind of malleable. Where it's like, hmm. Like if we worked with with a bigger company, then we wouldn't have as much pull when it comes to creative decisions and whatnot. But working with a smaller studio and directors who hopefully, fingers crossed, didn't exactly work out, but hopefully bring a strong visual sense and you know a unique storytelling spin to the table, maybe we can get a good movie out of it. Um, but it just didn't coalesce. Like you can just see that there's so many bits in the edit where it's like. No. wow that that i don't know where we're going with this like even the moment to moment edits are kind of questionable at times it's a very sloppy movie yeah. um but one thing that we were talking about was the production design um the studios would be part of that uh, the sets and the costumes and the props um i think that deserves quite a bit oh, yeah, of credit yeah. even if the direction yeah, that's doesn't. probably the strongest thing uh about kind of the overall design of the movie honestly uh i really love the the like kind of spiky wall tile motif in uh in koopa's offices that really just look like the backgrounds from the castle levels in the game like that that to me is like a really fun uh really fun thing that actually looks cool in 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 the movie but yeah uh and yeah like it's it's neat to to hear about kind of the uh the the sort of overall design of this thing that they built in the cement factory because it was basically just like one very enormous set that they could film on different parts of kind of like i guess the sort of a similar thing was done for like batman 89 uh with the gotham city set uh and yeah like it's it's pretty cool that they were able to build something like that here even though i don't know that they really put it to tremendously great use <laughs> no absolutely not um it- Unlike Batman 89, uh, this Dino Hatton unfortunately feels like a single street. Yes. Yeah, it, <laughs> like, does, yeah. it absolutely like the does. The variety of angles and the way the set is dressed, you never really get a sense of the geography being any bigger than that single intersection, yeah. um, which is really unfortunate. But yeah, there's tons of great matte paintings mm-hmm. and whatnot. The set dressings are, are actually kind of admirable in terms of their attention to detail, like the 
the fungus motif running through all the sets is pretty neat. Um, there's tons of extras bustling about. There's some really goofy ADR that I, I think I caught a lady in the in the introduction to Dino Hatton saying, "Smell this! It smells great!" <laughs> like I was like, "What the fuck?" Is that? But yeah, like the attention to details there, and like Emmy had said, like there's a little bit of a connection to Max Headroom in the form of like some of the propaganda posters and signage yeah. dedicated to President Koopa, who apparently overthrew the the mushroom kingdom in the form of turning the king into a into a fungus but also only yeah. toad ever does this but toad calls him king koopa and, yes and no one else does that i don't know maybe it was just because it, it fit in the song better that that mojo nixon toad was singing but uh yeah i'm guessing it was to fit yeah. the lyrics but again um every actor seems to suggest that uh the script was being changed day by day by mm-hmm. day uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that fell through the cracks and they just never noticed. That's like, hey, he called yeah. him king. That's kind but of you know, <laughs> but going back to the the set and everything in that scene, there's uh, I mean they just go nuts with the neon in this uh, uh, on the set. In that scene, there's a sign uh, behind Toad that I I just noticed for the first time that says, "If it don't bleed, it ain't lunch." Whoa, <laughs> edgy. That, that's yeah, you know, that's good. That's 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 quality world building right there. You know, that's yeah. I mean, no vegetables yeah. here, vegetarian Daisy. Incidentally, where do, where the hell did Toad get the plate of steamed vegetables? <laughs> like that he brings her. Did he go back to? Did he go to to New York and get some vegetables and then bring them back? Because, like, I don't see anything like that anywhere there. Uh, it was very nice of him, but, you know, uh, maybe maybe too much effort. Was the Frank Welker head, was that Toad? Yes. Yeah, that was Toad. Yeah. Okay, I was, I'm like, oh, Toad's not in this thing at all. So that was Toad. Yeah, Toad is like the, the Mojo Nixon, like the, the street musician guy who gets de-evolved. Oh, okay, then, yeah. Because because if you look, he's got this weird like spiral pattern in his hair, and then they print that pattern onto the back of the like little Goomba head once he gets turned into into uh, a you know Frank Welker you know goon goon Goomba Goomba yeah. later on. So Go- yeah, Goombas are from the game, yeah. correct? Yeah. That- yeah, Goombas are the like little like you know. Uh, like mushroom chestnut guys from the game. I honestly uh, thought that it, that was a slur. I didn't realize that that was from Super well, Mario. I think I it's also. I, I mean, the thing that sucks is that it actually is also yeah. oh, okay. a slur. Okay. But sure. that is definitely the name of that enemy from the Mario games. Okay. Also. Okay. So gotcha. it's just a not great thing that uh, that that the Mario game sort of incorporated back in the eighties and have never been able to get rid of. Okay. I thought that was, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Frank Welker is the, the secret hero of this movie because he is all over this movie. I was, I was half expecting like just off camera. I'll get you next time. Get you. <laughs> <laughs> like something like that. But um, he's, he's all over this movie. As far as I understand, he was like one of the dinosaurs in the opening, and Dan Castellaneta, the voice of mm-hmm. Homer Simpson, uh, he's he's the first voice we hear in the opening track of the movie. But uh, Frank Welker, um, I I liked that he did the voice of the Goombas. That was certainly it put a smile on my mm-hmm. face because I'm always happy to hear him, um, even if he's doing the 
you know, door opening noises or startled cat on the soundtrack for whatever the fuck movie we're watching. Um, did he do the dog in Space Jam too? Like he did the dog noises for the dog in Space Jam. If I it's believe. an animal and it's in a movie, it's yeah, more than likely. He's right? been Locker. in so many. Like, he's <laughs> all over everything from our childhoods. Like you, you, he's inescapable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I actually, Kyle and I had a running gag in the office we used to work at where it's like an idea for like a an office style workplace comedy where it's like the voice actors crew and everybody would be playing heightened versions of themselves and Frank Welker would be a big man on campus that has like a leather jacket <laughs> and like kicks the door open for the booth. <laughs> so it's like, oh yeah, I can knock that out five minutes <laughs> but you'd hate being the delivery guy at that office like oh i gotta go back to that voice actor office oh, <laughs> so annoying okay. so did uh, we have any other notes about the cast or any other cast members that we wanted to highlight because okay. i did um so i unfortunately have very little to say about samantha mathis as princess daisy i think at some point it was mentioned i don't really know what her deal is she doesn't have a whole lot of agency nor do i understand wow. how how or why she's a princess what that really means she seems to have magical powers that allow her to resist um a hadoken that comes out of a meteor <laughs> but uh, aside from that she's unfortunately just kind of the damsel in distress yeah. she does get a couple of character moments where she's you know shown to be a good person um, she gets her little vegetarian thing in there where she's like, oh, I'm surrounded by dinosaurs who eat nothing but meat. I want vegetables because I don't eat anything with a face. Um, and then when Toad is set on fire, which as a child I thought was really scary. Like, I didn't like that. I was like, that's fair, really fucking fair, rough. Yeah. Like, because he's so innocent. Yeah. And I love what they, the, the animatronics in this film are actually very, very good. Um, for 1993 especially. Um, I mean, Jurassic Park would come out, what, two weeks later so we get to see some right. top of the line animatronics, but like the Goomba's faces, uh, Toad in particular, I like that his has a particular expression that even if you don't see the spiral mushroom pattern on the back of his head, um, his he has that kind of derpy face with the the wide eyes and like the rapid blinks and the big smile on his face. You can you can tell it's him if you if you care to. <laughs> Although I could see how you'd be so in- disengaged with the movie by then that you just yeah. don't care. Um, but I thought that was good. Yoshi is rendered quite well as well. He has very Yoshi is good. adorable. As soon as I yeah. saw Yoshi, I'm like, okay, he's, I, he's I think super cute. I Yoshi might be Yoshi. the best thing that they adapted to this style that, that actually works. That I was like, you know what? I, yeah, that looks like a Yoshi. I mean, like a smaller version of Yoshi. Like, he needs to eat a few enemies and grow up, but, you know. Like. <sighs> a missed opportunity. There's a lot of missed opportunities with this movie, one of which would have been having Yoshi be just big enough for Daisy to ride her down a hallway to escape yeah because she yoshi aids in her escape but all he does is like wraps his tongue around lena's leg and then she then he gets stabbed which again as a child That's i was horrible. like oh my god like, oh my god <laughs> he's okay but it's like man i did like daisy's uh doc brown return at the end like to, like luigi's just kind of sad and then she just like busts through like what the hell's happening we gotta go back to yeah, the future yeah. marty <laughs> <laughs> it's your kids marty <laughs> it's your kids marty it's your kids luigi <laughs> Uh, so yeah I feel like that's a missed opportunity I have one other that I want to put to you to everybody Mm -hmm. in the room um, by the time we get to closing here Um, but we'll come around to that Um, Iggy and Spike Fisher Stevens (laughs) and Richard Edson uh, I didn't care for them very much as a child or otherwise Um, I thought they were kind of obnoxious from time to time I 
I will give them a few lines here and there. Um, I did like when be, when they're in their dumb phase of character development. There's that moment where um, Spike is running uh, the figure of Owen Five through his head. He's like, "What? What?" We just can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then and they there's this long pause, and neither of them can figure it out. And they do have some good lines here and there. Apparently, a lot of their work was improvised in the movie, which shows how much the directors cared. Um, they're they're a face turn after they've been evolved to you know become intelligent is jarring and is given it, the script does nothing to explain it suddenly they're good guys because they're smart now but the way and again this may have something to do with you know poor script management uh when they encounter daisy after they kind of mutually break each other out of the goomba's clutches and whatnot they phrase it as we've always been your father's like loyalist subjects it's like no, you yeah. haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's demonstrably, it's demonstrably untrue. I think yeah. we're meant to see that as like they're just being completely self-serving at this point, and and you know just maybe they see which way the wind is blowing. But I do like when they just scream at Koopa like fascist oppressor of the proletariat. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of got a kick out of that. I thought that was funny. I think Toad gets the best one where we just like there's a hard cut to Toad in the yeah. Devo chair and he's just like and you you're a shitty <laughs> well, leader. He doesn't he doesn't say shitty because we don't use bad language in here like no matter what the we're calling people lamos and things like that instead of you know yeah. like <laughs> egg, egg sucker egg sucker butt breath. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just a hard cut and he's like mid sentence and he's like and you you're a lousy yep. leader. And it's like, that's not threatening at all. Devo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't care much for them. I did. It was kind of neat that they brought in Koopa's children from, you know, the Mario series. They, they even, they even gave, uh, gave, gave one of them the haircut yeah. <laughs> of the, uh, the character. He was sort of, yeah. Based and then on, I guess, so, yeah. yeah, it was a nice yeah. little detail. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Wait, so I don't even remember which one was which, but uh, one one of them's got the uh, what I like to call right. the the Sean Altman from Carmen Sandiego Rockapella braids um, going on. That That's okay, Iggy. that was Ziggy. Okay, all right. And then Spike is the Spike is the one with the okay, yeah, swoop. <laughs> with yeah. the with the modern day haircut, just the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. like the, that cool that that right, really cool right, high yeah. fade, and then it's yeah, really yeah, long yeah. on top. Yeah. yeah. I started losing. I started really losing my hair when that style came in. I'm like, oh man, I just missed it. I really wanted that one. <laughs> Didn't get it. Everybody just wants to be Brad Pitt from Fury. I don't know why. But... <laughs> yeah, right? It it looked good. It looked good in that movie. It yeah. did, but it's a 1940s military haircut. See, what the? Fuck? It was actually. It was like soccer players because my buddy. I have a buddy of mine who was really into soccer, and he he was like the first one I saw with that haircut. And then I started watching soccer with him. Like, oh yeah, it's uh, it's big in Europe right now. That's why you got it. Gotcha. Um, but actually, one character that I did want to put the magnifying glass over because uh, even as a child, this always stood out to me as something grossly wrong with the tone of the movie, and it, it mm-hmm. really—it's confounding to me. And I think I—I I think I have a theory as to why it's there. But uh, Lena, uh, Lena is a yeah. pivotal character in this film that is not from the games. They're portrayed by Fiona Shaw, who is a Irish actress who has worked with fucking Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and oh. this is the one from Harry Potter that, because I'm not familiar with Harry Potter, I wasn't aware of that. But the point is, this is a character that's not from the games, and yet most of the plot like hinges on their actions, and they're given quite a bit of screen time, 
and they have so much fucking pathos. Like, this performance is in a different movie altogether. It is. It feels wrong it for does. it to be in here. Yeah. And Wait, it, Lance Hendrickson's in here? Yes, Kyle. <laughs> he's the king. He's he's the he's the goo ball that turns back into the king at the very end of the movie. He was on screen for this long. Yeah, yeah. he was, it was yeah. Like crazy sure I didn't recognize him. Yeah, I'm back. Love, love those plumbers. plumbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I heard love those plumbers, and then there was a dude, and he was just gone. Oh, he but, he yeah, lost was... a bet to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Sigourney Weaver, probably. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this Lena character, especially as a child, um, every time they were on screen, I felt kind of uncomfortable, and like the tone of the movie shifts so drastically, where it gets really intense, and she has all sorts of ulterior motives going on that are barely communicated to us the audience but her performance the strength of her performance communicates some sort of emotionality to you that's like especially as a kid you're just like i don't even know what the fuck is going on but like there's that scene where she's fetching daisy uh who is put in the 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 holding cell with all the other brooklyn Mm -hmm. gals who i I did appreciate that uh they do establish the brooklyn gals that uh, there's mm-hmm. mention on the TV and in newspapers that girls are going missing from Brooklyn because Iggy and Spike. Yeah. Well, Scapelli uses that as sort of a vague <laughs> threat to Daisy too. Yeah, he's I didn't even do that, but I'm going to piggyback on that threat. <laughs> but, but yeah, when when Lena comes in to retrieve her, her face acting, like her body language, there's like gears turning. It's like she's like conflicted, and like even again as a kid, I'm watching this and I'm like. She's got some shit going on, but the movie's not telling me, and I don't know what to make of it. And then later, she's stabbing Yoshi, and she's trying to kill Daisy, yeah. and, and then she gets turned into the Bride of Frankenstein and blown up, and it's all—it's like from a different. Yeah, I, movie. I couldn't figure out what her motivation actually was. I'm like, okay, is she jealous of Daisy because Koopa wants to want apparently wants to do the sex with her and not Lena. Is that? Is she jealous? Does she want to be the ruler of the kingdom instead of Koopa? I don't get it. It starts out as the former transforms into the latter, and then she's dead. Oh, and it's, it's Luigi <laughs> says, yeah. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then Luigi makes a really I really wanted Daisy joke. to yeah. just turn around after Luigi says, she makes a good impression of Daisy. Like, okay, Luigi, I know she was like evil and tried to kill us, but like that, come on, like. It's like, okay, Luigi, this this is going to be a teaching moment, Luigi. <laughs> it's like, a woman just died. This is not how we do things. <laughs> I thought she was just jealous of Daisy because yeah. I thought that uh, Dennis Hopper was mm-hmm. just into her for some weird reason. I don't even know why he was super into her. Yeah. Nah. Uh, it's because he's no. a hypochondriac and she's clean. He, he says as much. <laughs> oh, like He's introduced mm, to us yeah. like putting his hands in a chemical bath. Uh, he's he has like the police chief or whatever spritz his hands with sanitizer after he touches Luigi, and when he's having his really sleazy confrontation with Daisy, he mentions that you're so clean, and then he does the lizard tongue thing, and there is there is a nasty line of dialogue in there where he's like, I will use her later yeah, or something. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's bad. That's not okay. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really out of place in a movie like this. It's ugh, yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on throughout yeah. the whole movie, and a lot of it, to me, comes from, like, Lena, and just, there's a lot of weird things that you would expect, like, censors to have problems with that got through, no problem, but then there's other stuff that, like, uh, one thing I know for a fact got cut from the film um, was some ooze, some slime, because 90s, 
uh, there's a Devo chamber scene where uh, Koopa gets upset with a Devo chamber employee and turns the dial all the way to the, the uh, primordial ooze stage of de-evolution. Yeah, that's... Oh, that is I was why just about to say, okay, all right. So that scene makes a little more sense. Uh, okay, speaking of that scene, there's a, there's a character that I want to point out, um, or really more specific, specifically an actor that I want to point out. Um, is anyone familiar with the actor who was manning the controls to the chamber? Uh, I know his face, but yeah, okay, I couldn't so tell you his name. This guy stood out to me because I remember a scene from a movie when I was really young. How familiar are you guys with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? Uh, cartoon, big time. Movies, not so much. When I was little, uh, a friend of mine rented the third Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. And there was a very strange scene in there where uh, it takes place at a bank. And before the villain can even hold up the bank, the bank teller, who was also played by this actor, uh, Kevin West, I believe his name is. And he's just doing this like, are you laughing at me? Are you laughing at me? Are you calling me Pee-wee Head? And it just, like, goes on and on and on. Like, this scene lasts for a good three minutes. I'm like, what is this? Is this this guy's tight five? This is such a bizarre thing to be happening. You know, he's like <laughs> screaming, you're calling me Pee-wee Head. And, you know, like just going on and on. This is the same actor. I like that just stood out to me so much from when I was a kid that years later I see that guy and I remember that scene in Killer Tomatoes Strike Back, I believe was the name of the film. But um, I just wanted to bring that up because it's really weird and I wanted to share it with everybody. <laughs> that that is weird. That's uh, yeah. Wow. I remember him from uh, he he was from Biodome, oh, okay. uh, one of the very few Polly Shore movies. He's uh, right. Romulus. Yeah, uh, I actually like a, a side project that will never get done, but something that I think would be fun is a, a podcast called "Those Guys" or <laughs> "That Guy," because as a kid uh, we had a running gag with my dad where um, he'd always like point at somebody on the screen, usually a character actor, and be guy. like, "Hey, it's that guy." <laughs> and then I had I had to like kind of develop a little bit of an encyclopedic knowledge for those people because he just had nicknames mm. for everyone. Like Bruce Willis was Wise Guy. So like Die Hard was never called Die Hard in our household. It was always, eh, you know, the the one, the, the wise guy. <laughs> that's actually a good idea. I'm gonna have to, yeah, so I'm gonna like, have to steal that now. Add that to my list of podcast ideas. Right between the one about screensavers and well, that's the last time I have you on, Link. <laughs> right, right, right between the one about screensavers and TV shows that only lasted one season. Okay, got it. All right. <laughs> uh, but as far as characters go, um, I think that was it for me. Did okay. anyone have anything else they wanted to focus on? Maybe like Big Bertha? Is there anything to be said about her? That was the weirdest sequence. <laughs> the dance, the dance sequence. Yeah, Please. with uh, with thirst trap Mario. <laughs> <laughs> again, the e- emotions in that scene are as, again as a kid. Like I, I remember first time I saw this movie and just being really confused, especially because the score. Um, by Alan Silvestri, which is a Roger Rabbit connection, by the way. So mm, Roger yeah. Rabbit connections run deep in this movie. We have mm-hmm. an alternate reality slash dimension. We have a MacGuffin. We have a, a hyperactive sidekick. We have Bob Hoskins. Uh, Koopa may as well be a massively less threatening uh, Judge <laughs> Doom. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, the dance sequence, uh, I remember seeing uh, Bertha when the necklace is taken off of her, she gets a shot to herself where she just looks like really put out. And as a kid, yeah. I like felt for her. I was like, Oh man, was, I felt bad for her. Yeah, I felt really like, bad for her. But then like a scene later, she's helping them for some reason. Exactly. And, like, I don't. Yeah. 
that's the shit as a kid that's like I'm a child, and yet the math and you the math this. problem that is this movie is not adding up. Right. So you can yeah. tell there's yeah. a problem with the filmmaking. And, you know, the blame has to go to the directors there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like one, two, three shots later, she's punching guards out and stuff and helping them. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he like, stole it, from you. <laughs> I think there is a more interesting way of doing this movie where there is, like, this sort of um, known resistance that's kind of happening in the shadows. You know, if, if like, she's a part of that then you can have some camaraderie between these characters. She just she doesn't just have to be like this obstacle that Mario has to overcome by, you know, pressing, you know, basically motorboating her to get a, a stone back. Um, you know, she can be like an actual character, you know. But, yeah, but. no, I think you hit the nail on the head there where there needed to be an actual solidified like resistance movement that that yeah. mm-hmm. is sprinkled throughout the movie like a like a total recall or something like that like yeah. the mars resistance right. movement but instead we get toad bertha never the two shall meet and and then everybody's dancing and celebrating at the end and immediately yeah. take down the signage it's like I, okay i didn't realize there was this much civil unrest we never got clued in it's on like, that it's like okay that's not really the way that fascist dictatorships work <laughs> but all right if only um <laughs> They needed Bertha yeah. choking uh, Mario like uh, Chewbacca choking Lando Calrissian. They have to explain in between <laughs> gasps, like, "No, we're we're trying to help." Like, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, actually, yeah. that that could have worked. You know? Yeah, that could have worked great. Yeah. Yeah, but no, we don't get that. Um, her outfit's pretty fun. I like the spikes. <laughs> the, Everybody the likes the spikes boot. in this movie. Yeah, seriously, there's spikes all up and down this movie, even on the walls and stuff. But, well, um, uh, uh, Samantha Mathis's because uh, she played the mom too, right? In the very first scene, yeah, okay. Yeah. She's also got spikes yeah. on her shoulder pads, like everybody. Yeah, she's got spikes in the opening, wearing the like. I think she stole like a Goomba. She's wearing outfit. like a Goomba. Yeah. Goomba. Yeah, okay. she's wearing like a Goomba coat. And even her but, Daisy yeah. dress later on after Koopa's dressed her up. God, that dress sucks it so does. bad. It really does. That, that, that dress is so ugly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And it does have like little like sea urchin spikes on it, like toned down spikes, but they're still kind of there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thwomp boots, the stomper boots rather, that are loaded with the bullet bills. Um, I get what they're trying to do. You know, it's like Mario, uh, Mario, he jumps on things, you know, it's like he needs special boots to do that, that he'll only use like uh, once or twice in the movie and it won't really help at all in the final battle. It'll just be for when they do their, their uh, princess wave at the, (laughs) at the celebration at the end. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the whole climax of this movie is a complete and total clusterfuck. I think I know what they're trying to do. Like they're trying to go for like a manic, like, uh, a movie that Kyle and I actually wanted to do for the show but never did was uh, Raising Arizona. Uh, oh, yeah. Kyle, do you remember like the energy of the edits in that movie? How it it's like really fucking snappy. Like it is really snappy, especially for a Coen Brothers movie. Uh, well, it's early Coen Brothers, different different flavor yeah. of Coen. But, but well, it, Blood's Blood Simple is a really early, early Coen Brothers movie, and it is it's it's more shot like Fargo. It's like really slow, like scene transitions and stuff like that but yeah raising arizona was a bit manic yeah but if they had somehow found a way to get that kind of energy into the edit here for like the last half hour of this movie where we've got all these moving parts we have lena running off putting the 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 rock as they call it into the meteor we've got koopa fighting mario we've got goombas get called into the thing uh we transverse dimensions and end up in normal Brooklyn and Scapelli gets turned into a monkey. We need to find out what happened to, to Koopa's pizza too. 
Yes, and he- <laughs> we never get resolution on the pizza. Yeah, that's situation. the that's, that's the true. opening of the climax. Is Koopa shows up toting a gun and a cell phone, and they tell him his pizza's here. And you know, it's just supposed to be this running gag, and that's supposed to be, I guess, your payoff. But nope, forgot what, about it. <laughs> what caused the Thanos snap? Why why did they why did they start dissolving? Lena and- put the rock in the thing, and they. <laughs> but she did it wrong, so it only kind of works. <laughs> so, so okay, okay. Like I don't understand. This is a bad failure, I think, on the movie's part. I don't understand why the rock is even important. Like the gateways open, they can just go through. Yeah, single file, man. <laughs> like it's like it's fine. Nobody's watching either entrance to the thing. So, like, who cares about the rock? Just go. Well, they want to merge Just, the know. dimensions, but, like, their dimension sucks. I don't know why they want to have anything to do with their dimension anymore. Like, the whole... I mean, I guess all their stuff is there, even if it's bad. I mean, as, as Toad but... sings, they ain't got no water in the... Uh, I, I don't actually there's remember of, the song. There's pollution, fungus oh, everywhere. Oh, yeah, there we go, there we go. Food's bad, so is the air. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the quote from uh, from Mojo Nixon that apparently they wanted to get Tom Waits for this movie, but he was too expensive. So they his agent pitched him as a third rate Tom Waits who was half the price. Oof. So That's yeah, Tom Waits. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, right? speaking yeah. of people who were too expensive, um, I had read that Tom Hanks was uh, one of the people on the short list for Luigi. But he had just come off of some flops around this time, and Nintendo thought, uh, five million might be a little too expensive for Tom Hanks. Can you? I, I can just... see it though. Like this is absolutely the kind of role that Tom Hanks was doing in like the late '80s. You know, like this is like him in Dragnet, him in like the Money Pit. You know, like I could see that Tom Hanks being in this movie and it being very embarrassing for him later. On, <laughs> Joe right? versus the volcano. I've heard is pretty yeah. crazy. But uh, a year later, a year later, he would do Forrest Gump, where he made forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh, he did yeah. all right. You know. Yeah. That, yeah. that that mazes and monsters guy, he did all right. <laughs> he got back on track. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um speaking of casting, uh this is something that I was kinda saving for when we're getting towards the end here. Um casting like can can any of y'all think of like alternative casting for anyone in the cast, but in particular the Mario Brothers? Captain Lou Albano? Well, we've already talked about <laughs> Yes, Captain Lou. Captain Lou Albano. (laughs) Swing your arms from side (laughs) to side. (laughs) That's what needed to be on the soundtrack. (laughs) I like Danny DeVito for Mario. That's Mm -hmm. I like that idea. Okay, Um, who would be opposite him, Kyle? Come back to me. Okay, you know. John Travolta. John Travolta. (laughs) John Travolta. John Travolta. Danny DeVito. I cheese my Mario. I cheese. We gotta, we gotta get to the Mushroom Kingdom, my man. I cheese. And then Scapelli <laughs> beat us to a job again. <laughs> keeping with the Coen Brothers, I say John, uh, John Goodman as uh, as the bad guy. Oh, it's Koopa. Damn, he could yeah. do it. He could. Yeah. That would be good, yeah. actually. Yeah. If you're gonna do like a human version of of uh, of Bowser, John Goodman. Yeah. That's that's solid. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, part of me is almost tempted to do like a, a Dreamcast of that movie now but there's no way that a re- live action mario brothers ever happens again um well no not because i i don't know who would who would play them i 
I mean, The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, The Rock and Kevin Hart, of course. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> big guy, little guy. <laughs> Pick whoever you want. The Rock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know because I don't even know like what actors are popular these days. I I am really out of the loop. Uh, I I'm, I'm full on old well, person now. Well, which put is... on your 1993 thinking cap then. Yeah. And we can come. We can come back. Okay. All right. Bit. All right. So mine. Um, I was thinking. I mean, high-profile Italian actors in the '90s. I mean, of course, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, big, big guy, oh, little course, guy. Yeah. And you get Al Pacino <laughs> running around, be like, Luigi, we gotta find Daisy. Where is she? She's in the Compa Tower. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> it would be great. He'd be like all loud and obnoxious, and you know, Luigi's Luigi would be more true to his video game version where he's kind of like, you know, scaredy cat a little bit. He's going, oh, no, no, man. The Luigi that we see in this movie just bears no resemblance to any sort of interpretation of the character that has ever happened before or since, really. Luigi's always been kind of the more timid, like, oh, I don't know with, about this, where here he's um, almost foolhardy in his, you know, like, hey, let's let's go do this. Let's go get him. I've got a good feeling about this alleyway for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, yeah. he's he's basically operates on instinct and faith, none of which really has <laughs> none of which is shown to be very useful or safe no. for him <laughs> or his brother. But the other What about one, Rick Moranis? What about Rick Moranis as one of the two? You'd have to, if he was your Luigi, you'd have to find a real tiny Mario. <laughs> Danny DeVito, saying. I still think he towers over Danny DeVito. Okay, uh, maybe, uh, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, is there a place for Joe Pesci? In fuck this? yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a really scary uh, fucking Mario. But yeah, I was gonna say you said Pacino and De Niro. I'm like, if you throw Joe Pesci in here, I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty terrifying Mario I, movie. I feel like but, Joe Pesci would be a good Hammer brother or something. What do you think you're gonna get by me? I'm gonna throw these fucking hammers at you. What do you think you're doing over here? <laughs> I mean, everyone that we've mentioned in the cast, if I get to see them mafia kick somebody, or as Kyle's doing, Ooh. you can't see it on the webcam, run. Joe Pesci moving at speed is something I need more of in my cinematic yes, experience. Yeah. And, um, but anyone doing like stomping kicks, like that's how they need to fight Bowser. It's just like knock him over and start stomping a mud hole on him. But Another combination for me would be, and this is, this is a weird one, but uh, Armand Asante and Sylvester Stallone, who, there you who, go. who okay. were paired up in okay. Judge Dredd, um, and I mm-hmm. just think it would be a lot of fun to to have like a wild manic one, and then have Stallone be more his like drawn back, like Rocky Balboa, where it's like, oh no, man, them Goombas ain't got no arms, man. Okay, <laughs> it's if, like if we're still talking <laughs> mid nineties, what what if we had like a. a Chris Farley, Adam Sandler kind of pairing here. Ooh. David Because, I, I mean, I, I know, David I know Spade, David Spade yeah. is the obvious, you know, like, answer, but I, I don't know if I see him as Luigi. Me. Brendan Fraser. What about, can we get Brendan Fraser? Mm. I think uh, I think Adam Sandler would be, I, I can see him playing off of him, but I, I feel like Brendan Fraser would be a little bit more fun with those two. I don't know. That would be like distractingly sexy, though. Because <laughs> like, like, he was in his like, prime. Why is Mario yeah. so tall yeah. and sexy? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, we we've avoided possibly the most obvious answer here, which is Jim Carrey Luigi. At this point, he would have to be associated with the film in some way. That Sonic yeah, movie yeah. is awful, terrible. But he's I'm not, I have not seen it. You know, but yeah, yeah. Just 
So don't. How about this? Who would you want to be the voices of Mario and Luigi in an animated Mario movie now? Ooh, I I'm not so I'm not so up on my contemporary voice actors, mostly because it's recently not recently, but like in the past five years, I've become aware that the voice acting community online is equivalent to the population of China, apparently. Like everyone and their mother is a voice actor yeah, now, yeah. so um, <laughs> like having low-level celebrity status as a voice actor is seemingly fairly easy to achieve. Whereas back in the day, you had five people, mm-hmm. and they did everything. <laughs> but if but, you, I'm sorry, if you go really dumb with Luigi, H. John Benjamin doing Archer. Oh hmm. wow! Okay. Like just like like yeah. totally stupid and incompetent, but I think that would be a good Archer voice. Now, now you see, I could see, I could see H. John Benjamin yeah, Mario I, just being done with everything, <laughs> just being yeah. like, oh god, I don't know okay. about this yeah, Luigi. I, I think this is a bad idea. <laughs> I think I think Luigi. that's the Mario voice. Luigi, Luigi is more like the 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 Italian stereotype that we know them to be now. Like. I don't know about this, Luigi. I think this is a bad idea. Oh, come on, Amadio. This is going to be fine. Like the, those, those two voices playing off <laughs> yeah. each other. I want that movie. That would that be pretty fun. Be a lot that of fun. would have a fun yeah. energy to it. Um, Patton Oswalt, maybe? Jim Cummings is one of those guys that he's been around forever, but he can do anything you throw yeah. him into. So I could see mm-hmm. him doing a decent Mario. But yeah, uh, any closing thoughts or anything to offer about the Super Mario Brothers movie? Any details that we didn't cover? Um, so I'm going to actually throw out one more thing before we go about the, uh, forthcoming Mario animated movie that presumably is going to happen at some point in the next few years. This is not, uh, a wish, but it is sort of a prophecy. Um, we are definitely going to get at least one scene of a bunch of toads flossing to a Katy Perry song in it. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I, I believe that will happen. Um, maybe not necessarily a Katy Perry song, but most certainly there will be flossing. <laughs> Which one's the flossing? Is that the... That's the, the... Yeah. That's literally the swing your arms from side to side. There you okay. go. That's what they need to do. That'll that'll please the, the old hat fans. There we go. Yeah. yeah, we can tie it right. back to that. Yeah, callback joke. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, one thing I do want to mention about this movie that uh, I think is... Uh, is is a weird thing this movie predicted was the uh the strange thing that has happened in a bunch of modern mario games where the the koopa troopas are just always dancing uh you know that's definitely a thing and it's here in this movie probably like 20 years prior you know probably like uh yeah about 20 years prior to when that just became a thing so yeah and uh I guess all I've got left to say is that, you know, we, we have done, as I've said many, many times now, two other movies on our show uh, dealing with video games. So we, uh, we've been trying to rank them. Uh, Street Fighter is way at the top at number one. Um, uh, what was the other one we did? <laughs> Double Dragon. Way at the bottom at number 526. I don't even know if there's that many movies, <laughs> but uh, that's where I've decided it is. Um, this is somewhere between those two. I mean, pretty firmly in the middle, honestly. Like, this is not nearly as fun as Street Fighter, but it's not nearly the garbage fire that Double Dragon is either. I was going to say, as far as the video game movies that we've covered, uh, this is third, because Mortal Kombat is still number one. Uh, Silent Hill's been number two. Oh, sorry, we we also covered Street Fighter. Um, 
Actually, it's kind of a... It, uh, Silent Hill and Street Fighter are kind of neck and neck. They're two entirely different experiences, two different movies, but they're equally watchable. Like, they keep my attention equally. Mortal Kombat above Street Fighter, huh? Uh, yes, yes. I haven't seen Mortal Kombat in a long time. Um, I... We watched the we watched the hell out of it when we were kids. Like we were obsessed with that movie. We loved the hell out of it. So it's it's hard for me to put. I just watched Street Fighter for the first time last week, okay, or like the week before. So maybe if I was a kid, I'd have a different opinion. But I think Mortal Kombat One wins. Right. I I saw Street Fighter and Super Mario Brothers in theaters as a kid. Oh wow! Yeah. Did uh did you have negative experiences? How was it? I mean, I kind of remember just thinking like, uh, these are fine. I mean, Street Fighter, I saw it with a friend, and I and I we both really liked it, and we were both kind of talking about it, you know, after the film and everything. Uh, Mario Brothers, uh, just kind of, it was neat seeing those characters in a different kind of way, but it it didn't really. I had all this other Super Mario Brothers stuff that was still more fun than that movie, so the movie kind of faded pretty quickly. It, yeah, at at that stage in my life, I think I was more enamored with my Happy Meal toy yeah. of Super Mario than I was that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about Street uh, Fighter is that that movie feels like a 10-year-old took out all of his Street Fighter 2 toys and just was like, here's the movie I'm making. And that's kind of what I wanted from a movie like that. It It's exactly the kind of Street Fighter movie that 10-year-old me would have made. Mine would have had more punching. I'll just say that. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, villain, the villain is making a shopping center. Yeah, that that seems like something a yeah. kid would do. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I guess, closing thoughts on Super Mario Brothers, the movie. Um, I think everything we've said is fairly true to the product. I don't think we're being hyperbolic about anything we say. Um, the production design, I think, is the true star of the show. It's done by David L. Snyder, uh, who, of course, I didn't know that name off the top of my head, but I know him by reputation because I've always thought of him as the Blade Runner guy. Um, he did right. the production design for Blade Runner and many, many other big films of this nature. Um, he has a certain look that he seems to be hired to achieve, like... I think Highlander 2, which is not a good film, maybe even worse than this film. I think he worked but on that. But also, well. also a good production design, actually, though. Yeah. Like that, that movie has has cool sets, cool like dystopian future sets. So, yeah. You know, very much in the wheel. No, I, I mentioned that actually on a, a recent recording I did with my buddy Brad. Um, we were talking about Russell Mulcahy for just a second, the director of the first two Highlander movies. And he has this thing where his movies have some amazing shots. They have some pretty solid, like slick edits to them, but the storytelling and the performances, I don't think he, I don't think he cares at all. Like he probably doesn't even read the script, but he always puts really interesting (laughs) images on the screen. And uh, we kind of got that here too, with the Mario brothers movie where really cool costumes, really cool sets, but very little is you very little is done with them and that just the general energy and the tone of the film never really finds its footing you you feel kind of lost all the way through and all those instances i was pointing out when i was a kid watching this movie for the first time of being confused i experienced them again watching it as a 30 something year old adult uh, which is a problem <laughs> um and i think a lot of it just had to do with the production being very 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 disorganized i mean there's there's 
details pointing to the directors having been removed from the project, like actually shut out of the studio at some point, and the DP actually was serving as director for a few yeah, weeks. I had heard that, but I think what actually happened was they were locked out of the editing room. Um, I think that's what happened. That would explain some stuff, really. Yeah, it, it feels like a little bit of a schizophrenic movie, where it's like, I don't think that there's a single guiding hand putting this thing together in the, in the final cut. Um, and it, the film suffers as mm-hmm. a result of it. And on top of that, you also have Alan Silvestri, who's you know a fantastic composer, done some of the biggest movies of all time, putting in good work, but not enough of it, because this is a really repetitious score. Like the Mario theme, you you know you can hear it in your head if I say the Mario theme from this movie. It pops up whenever hijinks are happening, but it's like the equivalent of like a actually funny enough fitting enough um like an nes music loop but like but yeah. like a shit one where it's like 10 it's it's asked to do way too much heavy exactly lifting in terms of making these scenes make sense i think and yeah it, it's just it cannot be it loops like three times over the sequence of luigi asking daisy out on a date like the music is just like on a loop it's like five 10 seconds of music and it, it it brought back really bad memories of marvel versus capcom 2 and gonna take you for a ride to be <laughs> oh man so i you know at one point i worked in a movie theater and we had a marvel versus oh, capcom no. 2 machine <laughs> so like i have the demo track from that game play it, like just like burned into my head because i heard it like you know, probably like 200 times a day. Marvel versus Capcom 2. <laughs> New age of heroes. All day long. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this, this movie from top to bottom just seems to have some problems in finding its identity. And uh, going back to the score for just one more second, the, the Princess Daisy theme music is really dark and ominous and and just utterly foreboding Mm -hmm. and again as a child were things like that just like raw emotion is kind of the guiding hand for narrative things like that resonated with me and i was like why is this movie making me uncomfortable it's a mario brothers movie why is it so dark and why is the the pretty princess girls theme music like sounding like oh my god she's resigned to her fate <laughs> it's, it's like that's what what the fuck are we doing here we're all over the place you're out of control <laughs> now so I, I guess i do have a real final thought on the movie because the one i did before wasn't really much of one but you know i do kind of appreciate how just incredibly strange this is as as an attempt to to interpret something that doesn't really have much of like a narrative core into into a movie like this is so much weirder than practically any other video game movie that i can think of in terms of its approach to the material where like nothing is like literally transposed from the game it's all just like you know here's here's a thing that is meant to kind of remind you of a thing from the game it doesn't work like at all but it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that you only get when no one's ever done it before, I think. You know, so like maybe that's sort of like the defining for me the defining legacy of this as like the first video game movie. Uh, I mean, that's well said. Um in fact, that's something that Kyle and I invariably come back to with a a lot of these kinds of movies where it's like I appreciate the effort like nobody had ever walked the path before. This is definitely a unique product. Uh, it definitely has a unique perspective, but do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Would you say that um, Mario walked so that Sonic could run? I mean, are we talking movies or just like lifelong careers? <laughs> mm, I, I think we're talking <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I guess that works. It's a, definitely a good sound bite. You should definitely keep that in your back pocket. With that being said, I, I guess we're kind of wrapping up here with Super Mario Brothers, the movie, uh, as directed by Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel. Um, but before we go, uh, I'd like to give uh, Link and Emmy a, just a, a thank you for showing up. I, I really appreciate yeah. having you on the show. Yeah, thanks um, for having us. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was really fun. Um, and we don't have to talk about Super Mario Brothers on our show now. I'm just going to, I'll just say, we're, we're not going to do it. Just go listen to this episode of Catching Up on Cinema. We don't need to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I certainly hope you don't revisit it, because I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot more to be said. Yeah. Although the uh, Super Mario Brothers archive.com or whatever would say otherwise, being as they, they have a restoration project currently in process. That's It's a bold undertaking. I'm not sure why everyone cares as much as they do, but... More power to you, man. <laughs> um, but before we go, um, Link, Emmy, uh, would you like to give a little plug uh, for your for your podcast? Um, yeah, we're uh, Stescapades. You can find us on all of the podcasting places for the most part that I'm aware of anyway. Uh, so, yeah, just look for Sinescapades. I am also at Sinescapades on Twitter and Instagram if you want to contact me and uh, tell me how much you hate me injecting my politics into our show about video games. So, you know. <laughs> okay, well said. Um, anyway, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we're also available on pretty much any podcasting platform you can imagine, so fucking google us um but if you'd like to get in contact with me directly uh, i do have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema uh so yeah feel free to let me know how bad i am at my job um anyway uh thank you so much steampunk link and emmy zero for joining us as we reviewed super mario brothers the movie and uh, we will catch you next time